0: Hello, and welcome to Ludicrously Specific, or in this case, Ludicrously Generic, an episode of the podcast which in 2020 is just happy to be able to be in the same room and recording with each other. (laughs) Welcome back, (laughs) gentlemen. Welcome. (laughs) Yes, uh,
1: this is Doug. This is Darren, and this is Stephen. Generally, we're doing well, I think. So. Well,
0: we're, it's twenty twenty. We're alive and in the same room, and it's not on fire. And, uh, <laughs> yes. and we and give it <laughs> time. And we're in a country that is having an election whose legitimacy is unlikely to be contested. Um, what else goes wrong? Um, there's no rioting at the moment. Um, no, I think. Not, yeah, I think we're doing
1: yeah. okay. No, I think, I think things are going pretty well. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean the. the the, hardest, the worst thing that's happened to us recently is we had to ditch our Ennio Morricone episode because we hadn't got around to watching the films before we couldn't see each other to watch the films. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, for those of you not looking at New Zealand at the moment, what uh, has happened is that since our last episode, we went back into a, a lockdown, not a full lockdown as we had before. In uh, auckland an auckland based based based, a level mostly. three lockdown as some more community cases popped up with COVID. And that just meant that we weren't able to see each other for quite a while. There was a lot of Zoom uh movie watching as usual. And those of you who survived our last uh Zoom enabled
0: podcast will probably <laughs> understand why we haven't gone for uh <laughs> <laughs> yes. Captain Captain Down a well two point I thought,
2: is, uh, I thought uh, he, he was just doing a muscled bane right now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Batman! Oh.
1: Some people just want to see the podcast burn.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, what's, yeah. so,
1: what's been happening with everybody? We've been watching some movies, I assume. We've- uh, you can always, you, <laughs> as
2: long as there is still power, yeah. then yes, movies. If, if, the, if the
1: if the, the apocalypse came, you would have people act out movies for you, <laughs> wouldn't you? You did enslave people and just have them act out the scenes. Oh. It's the thing, do it.
2: <laughs> well, or maybe just uh, enslave someone to um, go on a on a, psych- a bicycle to power the projector. Power, yeah. Or yeah.
1: The, of course, or the television. Still <laughs> going to have our phones, yeah. so.
0: Well, there's. If only we had a collection of film prints that could be powered by a bicycle and that's <laughs> powering a light bulb that you know turns the uh, real. I don't. I don't really know that. Come the actual apocalypse. Um, what That my Blu ray collection
1: is going to be a much uh, service no matter how fast I learn how to bike. It's just look at the pretty pictures on the back of it, and you could describe them to us. So. If it was yeah.
2: a zombie apocalypse, you could just sharpen up your Blu rays and just have them as, as sort of violent frisbees.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I could see that happening. <laughs> But as, as you proved last time around, didn't you, was it you that said that uh, we discovered that the apocalypse, the apocalypse is, is boring? apocalypse is boring. It's, oh, yes. And stupid. It's, Let's not forget that.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, the uh, ability to, it's, um, if you can't see it well, you don't have to wear a mask. Mm,
1: it's um, Exactly. The, Social distancing is for chumps. Yes. I'll just lean on you. Maybe I'll cough at you. This That's is sarcasm, by the way, Someone just, just in, in case retail. our American Sorry.
2: cousins do <laughs>
1: Yes, I've been working in retail, and I've—I've I've my mask is very, very comfortable, and I still get the occasion, why are you wearing that for? Cough, 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 smoker cough. Well, I think you just proved my point. I won't say a thing. Just get out of my store. <laughs>
0: Your your patience is
1: greater than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Many years of of not
0: strangling customers. So, (laughs) and it's all going to come out in one day. I think I I found my next film. The day uh, I retire, falling
2: down (laughs) too. Yes, (laughs) the day he joins the post office. (laughs) The
0: real pandemic
1: is in Steve's bloody fingernails. (laughs) Wear a mask made of this guy's face. Oh, it's gotten dark. <laughs> <laughs> we really missed each other. Yeah, we yes, is, we, we did. Good
0: to be back. Oh dear. <laughs> um, at least, um, yeah, it's uh, Darren and I have managed to catch up a couple times, and actually since the last, I think since the last record, we've had the um, New Zealand Film Festival w- watches here before everything hit the fan, did, is that just right? just
1: before that, it was, it was a virtual film festival as well as there was some yeah. some screenings in the, in the cinemas, but most of it was download and watch at home, which seemed to work pretty well, so yeah. we had a couple of uh, weekends uh, at my house where a, a selection of movie nerds crammed into my <laughs> living room and watched some interesting films some yeah. very good films and, and one film that broke everybody's brain uh, uh, is that Jesus shows us the way to the highway perhaps is Jesus shows us the way to the highway oh which yeah broke <laughs> is possibly the most film festival film festival film I've seen in a long time because I normally go for the not the the film festival ones where people go hmm, film festival. I go for the ones that's like, fuck yeah, film festival. <laughs> yeah. Exploding Heads and Zombies and stuff, but... Which um, is literally what everybody else in the world thinks of when they think
0: of film festival as exploding Heads <laughs> <it's> and Zombies. <laughs> so. I, I have a niche, and I stick to that niche. I like
1: Exploding Heads and Zombies.
0: Bonjour, and welcome to the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, the, Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway is... It is a trip. It is a movie which... It takes you places you didn't expect to go and then you get to the end and you go... Well, okay, they delivered on the title.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes, oh yeah, it is actually the snakes on a plane of
1: the film. First
2: <laughs> it will. does, it does deliver the title.
1: <laughs> and don't ask me to describe the plot because uh, it's been a couple of couple of months, well, a month or so since I've seen it. I don't think you could, I could have described it concurrently. No, probably uh, not. Even if we were live streaming it at the
0: time, mm. it's, it's like, like the
1: Matrix by Neil Breen, <laughs> um, <laughs> only
0: like set across four
1: countries. It is, multiple and... countries, kind of sci-fi. Kinda I'm very dreamlike. Doesn't has its own sense of logic that it's, doesn't correlate to Earth logic. Yes,
2: but it's 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 unfair to mention Neil Breen and say <laughs> there is a level of of Com- strange competency <laughs> in yes, that yes. movie that and Neil Breen flourish, has, yes. has, has never been aware of. Mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: People now <laughs> googling dear. Neil Breen. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> my favorite. Uh, Probably just about my favorite film at the festival. Actually, it was uh, "Leap of Faith," the William Friedkin documentary. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was terrific. I um, and I didn't have especially high expectations. You know, I, ninety minutes sitting around talking with an irascible director. It's like that's that's fine, but it's just going to be like an illustrated podcast or something. And um, no, it was a really well curated, well edited um, journey through his creative process, and just one of the best films about filmmaking that I've ever seen. I'll talk about another one shortly, but that wasn't in the festival. But oh, yeah, yeah, I I think um, I'd seen Alexandria O'Felipe's um, psycho documentary, 7852, which I thought was okay, but um, a bit kind of too clever for its own good almost, like a bit dressed up. And it's like, and I didn't see his his alien one, but this one was just straight in there and straight um, straight to the heart of the matter, really and focused on just, like, we're not going to belabor all the stuff everybody knows. We're just going to talk about how
2: Mm. William Friedkin thinks about making films. And his view on art. I learned some stuff Mm. on that. It was... Just yeah, uh, uh, just fascinating film. I uh, you haven't seen. No, it, I did not see six? that one though, no, so no.
1: I'll, I'll catch up with that. You should, as i add that to my list of things that <laughs> I didn't see, but I probably should have seen, which is now longer than the movies list of movies I have seen. I think so. Well, you know, you're probably watching Solar Babies again. Possibly, <laughs> I, I, I do have a soft spot for Solar Babies. I know not people, not many people like that, and I've only seen it twice, so it's it's, it's one of my. It's a, it's a good, decent film. It's a time. Well, I don't think saying, saying only seen Solar Babies <laughs> twice. <laughs> that I can remember.
0: <laughs> like, I'm not sure the editor saw Solar Babies <laughs> twice.
2: From the film festival, I mean, there were so many films that we watched together as well as um, on our own. It's um, one that stands out to me um, uh, also because Brian Dennehy is, uh, was such a favorite actor of mine. I think it's, uh, sorry for the, the vaguely specificness of this, but I think it's called Driveways. That's correct, yes. Uh, which is just the most gentle film. Mm. About... Andrew
0: Ahn is the director, uh, Korean American, I think, and I haven't mm. seen it. Um, it's just hit up against the press there was a strange thing where it's kind of like it got to what the end of the official film festival was and there was still a week but it just felt like mm. the energy sort of dissipated and it kind of, because it was just billed as quite a light drama, it didn't quite yeah. cut through my uh, must-do list before well, it went away. Which is
2: fair enough because it's, it's a, I think it's it's just a lovely, gentle film. It has very little conflict. It's just about a, um, a, Mother and her, um, mother and young son come back to um, uh, their her sister's place. Her sister committed suicide, and so she's just closing up the house.
1: Yeah.
2: And the, and um, and there's a irascible neighbour next door, played by Brian Dennehy. And it's Is just, his name Mr. Wilson?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird reboot.
2: <laughs> and it's, um, it's, just, it's just lovely. And uh, Brian Dennehy has a chance to really just it's, um, do a really nice final mm. performance. It was uh, a hug of a film.
1: Right. But, it, it, but it's the
2: sort of thing we need
1: right now. Mm. It, I mean, is, there's a lot of dark films out at the moment, and I mean, 2020 doesn't, I think, need any more darkness out there. We need. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're going to be talking about some dark films later on for some of the stuff that oh, is gosh. upcoming here in Auckland. But to, ta- uh, to give you an example, I mean, I have
2: just um, gotten sick of, I, I, I really like the television that's out now, the, the boys and that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. But it is really dark, so um, I ended up watching a show that I vowed to myself that I would never watch, which is Doc Martin, which is Martin Clunes as a um, as a, a very sort of um, angry doctor, and it's 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 kind of twee, but it's. It's English, an absolute yeah. tonic to... to <laughs> I never, I've to, never even heard of it to make a vow about. I,
1: <laughs> I've, I've never watched it, but I have yeah. seen the ads for it, and it definitely looks it's like, kind, sort of, of, a, kind of a last of yeah, the yeah. summer wine sort yeah, of feel to it. that that's it. That I get it's,
2: it's, it's, very British. It's sort of yeah. mum TV. Right, kind of. right. Yeah. But it's actually a little bit better than that. It, it's, it has a darkness and a quirkiness to it, which is just kind of nice, and, and, and definitely the tonic to the darkness that, that is absolutely on in every tv show nowadays
1: mm. i mean when going back so. to the film festival when we watched uh, group watched some of the uh, three movies in one night and we got my zombies in there when we had yummy which is now on shutter yeah. and yeah. other enough for me out of the three movies that was probably the one i least enjoyed it was mm. decent but i uh, being a zombie movie it doesn't bring a huge amount of new things to the genre which is tough because there's so many zombie movies and they all wow. have the same beats quite often just rearranged but at the same time we watched jumbo yes which mm. was and then i can't remember who directed it uh, i probably <laughs> couldn't pronounce it if i could it's where's it, oh, it it's belgian, belgian. Um, and yeah and it's, it's a, a very twisted but very positive love story between a woman and a carnival attraction yes and now <laughs> i say that it sounds odd but it yeah. didn't feel like it at the time it was it's it's mm. I mean, based supposedly on a true story of a woman that married the Eiffel Tower.
2: And the thing that makes it work for me is it takes its subject absolutely seriously. It, it never no. laughs at that. No. It, it, there is humor in the no, movie, it's a funny film at times, yeah. But it, it never laughs at the the the, premise, the, 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 girl, the, the, the girl on yeah. um, whatever what, it is falling in love with
1: a, with a yeah, a, a think back attraction. Yeah. and I mean it's it's. It's, it just it was a really uplifting movie, and as I say, at the same time when we went from there into to Yummy, which is a zombie movie set in Russia and yeah. involving plastic surgery, and it was kind of uh, you know this is my genre, but I kind of prefer the one before, so yeah. <laughs> which is unusual for me to say on that. So you guys have definitely influenced me a little bit, so you. But I also, I also <laughs> think that like it's just um, there
0: was a point where cynical entertainments could still be either entertainments even as escapes or just kind of uh, whatever but now it's just like it's just like it just feels defeatist or something I don't know it's Mm. like it's actually like I think back because you know we're all people who grew up like it it came of age in the 90s which was a relatively positive time and where cynicism and, and sarcasm and all of these things were kind of like oh it may seem good but actually there's a dark underneath and now it's like, it's really dark. It's not underneath. It's crawling all <laughs> over us. So, and it, it actually does not take any effort to be cynical about the world right now. And so anything, and certainly, you know, talk about what we want to watch at the moment. I mean, mm. that's more and more reflecting my viewing choices. My wife got me the Agnes Varda, Agnes Varda box set. And, um, you know, as a uh, the French director is just so... Um, eclectic and always curious about the world around her and bringing in the world. And even though like some of her films have really strange structural choices that don't always um, function in a normal way and aren't always fully uh, rewarding, like I watched her fir- first feature, *Left Point Court, the other day. And it's like half of it follows this story of this fishing village and just stories about the families there and the inspectors who are upset because people are using too many nets and all this kind of carry forth and it's cut um so there'll be one scene there and there'll be one scene between this guy who grew up there who's come back there with his girlfriend from Paris and they have these intense dialogues about love and the two stories really don't overlap they quite deliberately ping-pong from one to the other and and in a film you would normally expect like, okay, it's all going to come together in some sort of Paul Haggis crash kind of way- <laughs> and No, it doesn't. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but just seeing something that's like curious and interested in the world and kind of trying to take something that it sees in the world and bringing it out instead of saying, I am cynical about the world and
1: here I'm going to mm-hmm. shove your face in it. Um, was really welcome hmm. we're, we're really we're, just going, we're throwing back to the 70s I mean the 70s were, was such a nihilistic time for film mm. and now we're living in a time that feels <laughs> like it must have felt in the 70s when everything was crashing down as well so you can almost feel that circle coming back around that we are getting these darker mm. films again yeah and it's you know sometimes you just you know you need some escapism sometimes from what's outside before we leave this subject, I've been re- uh,
2: watching, uh, just in the past week, a TV show which is um, called Ted Lasso. It's... Um, oh, the Amazon? It's um, yeah. Apple. Oh, okay, yes. It's, uh, Jason Sudeikis plays a, a, a an amazingly upbeat, cheerful um, coach. He's a, um, He's an American football coach. Um, who never did professional who has been hired by the american uh, by the uh, english football to uh, to coach a um, uh, i, I don 't know the name of the of the team. But, and uh, just
0: for any American listeners, English football they mean soccer.
2: soccer yes. So, uh, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and, and,
0: and for any New Zealand f- listeners, American football means football, oh, not or, soccer. Gridiron, yes. oh, gridiron, an yes.
2: and he was was hired by the owner of the team in order to sink it. But he's just so relentlessly upbeat, and yeah. it's um, and it's very genuine. It's. Um, so, again, it's something I would highly recommend if you just want something that's kind of nice. It's still um, UK and it's got the effing and blinding and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's real. <laughs> but it's but it's relentlessly upbeat. Dan it, Slevin reviewed it for RNZ and had sort of a similar
0: like. I think he didn't really even want to like it and wound up um, downing the whole thing in a... <laughs> You know, mm. a couple marathon watches because it was just so likable. And um, I ha- we tried watching Shit's Creek, which I've heard a similar thing about. And I wasn't really impressed by the first episode. But um, a couple people have said to come back to that. Because once it gets settled in, apparently it nurtures a similar <laughs> energy. Um, so what... Um, what other films have you been watching though?
1: Well, so we're going to do our three films. We'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do, do, our do our three, three films, films since last time. No, no, apart from the three films, it could already become mentioned. four or five be, films. It's been a while. Which we'll go around. Robbins, although we don't bore you with one person. Um, the one film I uh, picked to show the the other guys, which I had never seen before, and it was during our our film festival, and I decided to pick the most film festival-y festivaly spacer film. Was True Stories? Yes. So True Stories, directed by and starring David Byrne, uh, from Talking Heads, and it is David Byrne the movie. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. It's the quir- it's beaten with a quirky stick, within of an inch of its life. But it's just a gentle ride, following David Byrne as this kind of a character, but also the omnipresent narrator, as he in this small town in Texas, mm. as we just watch people. Do things. There's no other way to describe it. It's just kind of a, a slice of many people's lives with some fantastic music, some fashion shows, Oh, fashion shows. <laughs> yeah, There's John Goodman. John Goodman. This the amazing uh, Talking Heads karaoke scene, which became yes. the video for one of their songs. It's, wild it's wildlife, just a wild, yeah. wild life, and it's just it's just a nice little ride. You just the moment you see David Byrne there, he never he never feels comfortable being a human. Yes. He, he's, he always looks like the alien that's just 99% sure he knows how to be a, a human, but that last 10% is making him very nervous <laughs> that everybody knows that he's not what he seems. And it's. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's just what David Boone's like. He's. Yeah. I've, I've read some some interviews about him, about his Aspergers, and he's he's definitely he's an interesting type, and I would love to hang out with him, although I get the feeling if you hung out with him too long, yeah. you'd have to take a break. But he's, he's a fantastic person artists one way or another, right? His music yeah. is great. His concerts, when you see his, uh, I, saw his him, I saw I saw
0: last year when he his came here, and with it's his American Utopia, this. and it's incredible. And actually, the filmed version of it, which was filmed by Spike Lee, just premiered in Toronto, and I think is
2: HBO. Is it coming
0: to HBO? Mm, yeah, it's yeah. coming. Which
1: you know, however, however, we get to see that made, probably yeah. Neon later this year. Probably, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's some. I mean, so I've seen some clips of it and some some footage on stage where he's turned this entire band into a marching band. Yes. And it's just every aspect of the show is choreographed yeah. from just the, the look to the, just the way that people walk around. You can tell David Byrne has spent months going, no, this has got to be right here. You've got to be over there at this point.
0: Yeah. And there's no, because um, there, nobody's wired into an amp or stuck no. behind a drum set or anything. It's all like marching band style. Is,
1: yeah. Percussion. And it's quite uh, remarkable. Yeah. So definitely look that up. But uh, but true story. So as I say, I'd never seen it. I'd been meaning to see it for a long time. Had a copy sitting in my watch bowl for many moons. And yeah, it, so it went down, down really too. well. So yeah. I, uh, had it, I, I had it on VHS back in the day, and then
0: I never upgraded. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's probably still a copy of my parents' basement <laughs> on VHS. But, I um, a
1: good double feature with Richard Linklater's Slacker.
2: Yeah, very much
0: of, so. It's the very yeah. rambling kind of year. I have of, not yeah, seen that.
1: Um, so,
0: oh, is great, but Slacker is much more um, a raw picture of what Austin really was at that time, <laughs> whereas True Stories is much more a magical image of David Byrne portraying some kind of postcard ideal of Texas. So um, another one that might actually make a good double feature in a much bleaker way would be The Thin Blue Line, which I rewatched recently, which is about Vider, Texas, and a murder there and was set around a similar time I seen but, that one. Um, my brain.
1: Ar- my Ar- went to the thin red line and I went Nuts. Yeah now it's, uh,
0: Errol <laughs> documentary that um about a killing in Texas right. and um, it's uh yeah I mean it's it sometimes you look at somebody from you know the east coast who comes down to Texas and does hey it's big hair and all this stuff it's like yeah and sometimes <laughs> they drag people to death behind cars Oh you. that movie. So um, yes. the, that wasn't yeah. specifically the thin blue line stuff <laughs> yeah. but it was um yeah. Uh, yeah. Fun. So I I think yeah double features can kind of yeah. buoy you up or they can drag <laughs> you down. And, uh, just a and one of which one you put put on first. I, I guess, yeah, guess <laughs> it just does Finish with the one that drags you down. Or maybe just do a double with stop making sense and just enjoy living
1: in David Byrne's <laughs> world. Because like why yeah uh, oh. why why burden yourself with the realities. I think I wore out a VHS tape playing that one for Mm. that concert it's still one of the best live concerts ever recorded I mean it's one of the only um, films I've seen in a movie theatre where the audience was standing up and dancing it (laughs) nice and and you you notice in that whole concert footage when do you see the audience the final song the first time you see the crowd so it's literally like you're you're in that crowd by yourself until Mm. suddenly you go oh look at the other people yeah.
2: Yeah. It, it is arguably the the best concert ever filmed, and it's arguably because I will argue with you. <laughs> Woodstock, take your Woodstock fuck off.
0: <laughs> so why did Bunch you make of the a <laughs> oh, wow.
1: Bunch of rolling around the mud. Go watch this. maybe <laughs> the three and a half hour cut of Woodstock is pretty good too. Yeah, <laughs> did you see that at the Civic? Um, I saw uh, I saw the uh, the full Jimi Hendrix. At, uh, at the movies when they played it for a film festival years ago okay. and that was the second loudest film I've ever heard because they cranked that thing to 11 <laughs> Wow! only overtaken by the first time I saw Con Air where everything right. explodes and the person in the booth just went all oh, the volume so, yeah that was oh, deafening. Wow. but Hendrix yeah the full Hendrix one I once again the, the yeah. Woodstock one I had on I think a double VHS tape and I used to play that religiously I mean I'm a music fan from but, a while yeah. back so this was fun I was Eighteen or twenty, I would play Woodstock pretty, pretty constantly, mainly for Santana because Santana's bit in the middle is just one of the most incredible, ridiculous pieces of stone drumming I've ever seen. And (laughs) Doug's a drummer, so he'll know. Yeah, no,
0: I, I I, Santana was somebody I kind of only knew from a couple tracks, and I never really um, taken too much. And then when I saw Woodstock at the Civic a couple of years ago, when they played it uh, for autumn events. Uh, it just blew me away and I should have yeah. seen Woodstock ages ago because Thelma Schumacher who's Martin Scorsese's editor right. cut it and it uses split screen and it has all of these great musicians <laughs> yeah. but um, it just you know it just somehow never reached the top of the pile there's plenty of things I should have seen <laughs> but
2: <laughs> this
0: time
1: yes but you know the level four lockdown just yeah. get the list and go I've only seen Solar Babies
2: once
0: so
2: you know <laughs> we all have to well when we're we uh, talking about the loudest film so Yours was was Conair. Conair. Mine was virtuosity, which is Denzel Washington versus Russell Crowe. (laughs) Wow! I swear my ears were bleeding while oh, I was right. watching
0: That's that loud. film. That was we good. saw the trailer for that recently at the Hollywood. Mm. I really wanted to. I've never seen see it, but it. I,
1: It's one I keep going just for fidgets for and giggles, I should go. I back think we on have bit. to do
0: a ludicrously specific like virtual reality oh. um, protagonists <laughs> of the uh, not
1: get lawnmower man, and there were a couple others, and Donna the Dragon Wilson in virtual combat, which is on Tubi, which looks fairly cheap now really important question combat with a c or a k uh combat mortal combat oh, i you know the combat Ooh. feels about 90s and tryhard these days but yeah. it's um yeah no definitely the virtual i think uh, it's the a silent cue pretty sure that <laughs> virtual <was> a, wombat <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't 90s enough to have a z on there like virtuals you know yeah. or something but yeah virtual <laughs> combat was definitely with a c that one
2: okay loudest film loudest film i
0: don't know nothing i, I mean the my experience is, of it is there an was Sval- bloody, it desperate in... living um, <laughs> wow. and trying to sleep through the years. The that cackling. Loud. Oh, um, but I'm
1: sure there's something that I've seen that's louder, but nothing. Unfortunately, feel... that was in the years where we can talk about, because that was at a 24-hour movie marathon yeah. before the sh- oh, shut up and don't talk yeah. about it. And they cranked the volume for the movie before, and definitely our organiser said, "Crank it," because this film coming was great. I forget which that was, and they did not decrank it. And at the end oh. of that marathon, when Mad Max Two played, <laughs> the speakers were distorting, and the two people next to me went up to the car and came back wearing hearing protection.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: It was I mean I love that film, but, but when yeah. when the, the the soundtrack is literally shaking plaster off the walls, it's a little too loud. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, yeah oh. but but the thing is at least with mad max it's like kind of <laughs> kind of yeah. sounds as opposed to shrill that that's the thing is just the the high pitch everybody no Conair, I, I remember i actually got a migraine from Conair. yeah there's a um, lot of, of exposure which is not something area. i'm particularly prone to but yeah. it was just uh, yeah so that was definitely up there but I, i'm sure like in about an hour i'll shout out something really <laughs> random. I feel like I saw a space movie where the um
1: uh, the lift off scene was just I'm the one who that's um oh, what it finished one of the, the very early 10 hour marathons um it was the kind of the the event horizon, horizon you rip off Oh, supernova! Supernova. Right, yeah, which has the the People warp jump. People bothered to rip off
0: Event Horizon. They did.
1: It's um, it was basically, Well, <laughs> it was kind of. It's like here's a photocopy of Hellraiser in space. Now let's photocopy that. Uh, supernova is <laughs> a weird one. It's a 2000 sci-fi movie, and it's if you look on the reviews, the reviews are going to say this is the worst movie ever. And it's got Alan Smithy as the director. Walter Hill director. Yep, it. Yep. It was recut later on. We I don't know if we saw the recut one or not. It's not. I don't think as bad as it, it gets. There's a lot of stuff It was played around with in the post-production. They right. used CGI to change the color of one actor's skin so they can reuse a sex scene with a different character, supposedly, in there. So they changed the They just went, wow. okay, we're going to use the same scene. Because it's, cause it's yeah. this almost identical scene. You go, wow, they're doing it. Sex in the Zero Gravity Chamber must be popular. But right. <laughs> it was just the same footage flipped and, and changed. And it does have this warp jump scene where they leap through right. space and then there's all these little flash-forwards of what's coming up. Little subliminal cut, 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 yeah. and I saw that at the Civic, which is you know one of the best movie theaters in Auckland if you're not from New Zealand. Yeah. And they just put in a brand new sound system at the time, and right. it was phenomenal. And then after that, the film kind of puddled along. It could not live up to that warp jump scene with massive surround sound. <laughs> so I'm like, that's going to be the greatest film ever. And then it was like, no, oh, it's a it's an Alien slash Event Horizon ripoff. No. Uh, but you know, it was okay. I, I I I still have a soft spot for it. That it's. It's not really the shit face that people say it <laughs> Your mileage will vary. Yeah,
0: right. I just remembered the, the Gaspar Noe film I saw at Cannes, Lux Eterna, which ends with like a 10-minute stroboscopic uh, kind of breakdown. And, and yeah, that that had people covering their ears. It's uh, so Gaspar Noe. I mean, it had me covering my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the most approachable Gaspar Noe film I've seen, just like despite saying, ending with a 10-minute seizure-inducing
1: um, thing. It's that's still, like the doctor saying, you've got the least effective... At least a dangerous form of COVID right now. So you're, you're quite all right. It's yes. I
2: can't believe it's not COVID. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All oh, right. So, what was your? Uh,
2: oh well, that was that was that was, well, that was one, one film. Twenty <laughs> yeah. minutes ago, he began we any that. We more beer. <laughs> okay, so we're going the anti-clockwise, the way we're sitting. Um, so, well, should
0: I should I go whilst you look up films that exist on the internet?
1: With the <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, well, the film I saw three films that exist. I've <laughs> <laughs> probably seen them at some stage. The
2: film I saw is uh, Hangover Square from 1945. It's one of uh, discoveries of the year i think it's just a stunning film and it stars a um, george sanders is probably the most known actor in this one but it uh, also has uh, laird krieger and linda darnell and laird krieger yes exactly no one knows who he is it's because uh, he died aged 30 yeah. Um, but he was a rather uh, a large guy who had amazing sort of... Uh, f- Gravitas? F- yes, absolutely. It's, uh, I'll show you a... Uh, this is Greg's great radio. That would probably be good for an good audio for medium. Oh, is a show me
1: a picture. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I'll try to remember to put the picture up on Twitter, but I probably yes. won't. <laughs> yeah.
2: But it's, um, it's directed by John Brahm. And it's a, a really just cracking thriller about a, uh, a, a classical musician. What he, country is this in? It's American. Okay. Uh, he's a classical musician who um, has a, a, a music hall dancer is, decides to use him for, um, to get the best music out of him so she can become a star and um, but he also has strange gaps in his memory and it uh, so it's quite a thriller and it's um, yeah. this doesn't make great radio but it's uh, it is an, yeah, a very very good film. I don't know how easy it is to find i uh, how did you find it? I found it on a, um, a website called Cinephobe, Cinephobe. TV. That's... <laughs> Um
0: streaming from America with some mm. rare oddities yes. Um, And I think Steve Austin, our friend, actually has appeared on there introducing um, a Peter O'Brien double feature at one point. Uh, So
1: that's,
0: uh, yeah, worth
2: supplementing your
1: uh, (laughs) online viewing with. And that's your list of six other streaming services that you might already have. But I can
2: highly recommend Hangover Square. It's just got got a, a great, it's
1: black and white, great atmosphere to it. Is it Hangover or Hanover? Hangover. Hangover, as in what you've had after a <laughs> couple of years. Yes, yeah, yes. yes.
0: <laughs> as and I went out for my birthday Saturday night, and we went to a bespoke cocktail bar. And <laughs> Now I'm living in Hangover Square. <laughs> That's right. More Hangover Junction, really. <laughs> but but it, it-, it was worth it to drink something called a Grievous Angel. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
2: But yes, it's, it's one of those sort of great little sort of tragic stories. The um, gaps in his memory get um, a little bit more um, murderous. And is he a killer or isn't he a killer? Does he and
0: look at his tattoos
2: to figure it out?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I knew Are that you? movie
2: wasn't original. Movie. <laughs> 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 but yes, very, very good film. and I, cool. I recommend looking into Laird Krieger's work as well because... Uh, he didn't do many films, but uh, the ones he did do, it's uh, he was in Heaven Can Wait, which is a um, an Ernst Lubitsch movie, which is a a great film, and he plays the devil, known as His Excellency, not it's, Mr. Boogaloo, So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh dear It's uh, If you know what that we're referring <laughs> that to That reference, then. yeah, that will go over the heads of some people and other people, <laughs> our friends, will go Oh, <laughs> goodness, <yeah>. magic apple <laughs> Oh dear um,
0: So, yeah The film that I wanted to highlight uh, is a film about filmmaking called A Labour of Love that's from the 70s and has been released on the Vinegar Syndrome <coughs> label and it's one of the most compelling documents about the making of a film that you've ever seen. It's a film you've never heard of uh, that's being documented. Whose name I can't... Do you ever recall the name of it? Uh, An Affair of Love or something, something like that? Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, a film in Chicago. And, and it's fascinating because the director you've never heard of either. He's done nothing else. He just got wind of this um, film being shot in Chicago that... Um, had got funding and, but the compromise for getting funding because this was the early seventies, uh, was that they had to add porn scenes to it. And so it was this young Iranian director who'd come to America and had visions of Antonioni and Fellini dancing (laughs) through his heads and, and this young cast of game actors and no unions or agents. And, um, probably the one time in history where it seemed like in the post deep throat devil and Miss Jones era that you could somehow maintain your artistic integrity while having coitus
2: on screen and so everyone went for it and And, oh and also the director just had a he had a dream that he wanted to make a film about prostitutes
0: Yes. Yes.
2: So was, so the, the, That's the,
0: the, handy. Well, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, to be fair, there there are films that could have had much more of a right turn in order to achieve the, the on on-sc- screen sex elements. Um, so yeah, so the film, um, you know, depicts some of those elements, and as a result, it's for self uh, limiting audiences, I suppose. But it is much more a film about filmmaking than a porn film that happens to be a documentary. And it's uh, just captures all the complications of, you know, being on set and the difficulties of making a film, but just adds this whole extra level of jaw-dropping discomfort and... Like what you know, what happens when your two leads don't like each other, and it's not just they have, they have to kiss, but
2: you know, um, <laughs> not and, just um, kissing, but but no, yeah, yeah, um, hey, and,
0: uh, um, but even just just the um, yeah, just the little um, stray moments that get captured that aren't even about that. There's one great bit near the end where he. Rocks up to the makeup guy He's like What are you doing? He's like I'm reading a fucking book And, and the thing about the film is You can chart in real time On the faces as these optimistic people have their hopes and dreams <laughs> crushed, there's this script girl in the first scene who's like, "This is so great, we're making a film, and you know, I'm just, I'm just gonna go dress up and nothing and be outside as one of the prostitutes while he walks down." But you know, and by the time you see her next, like the hope is gone. It just, it's just gone. Oh. And uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I feel like it's one of the great filmmaking. Documents, mm.
1: a labor of love. Check it out. Well, yeah, the the nature golden age of porn in the seventies was must have been just such a bizarre time. I've listened to some some fantastic podcasts where they interview some of the the survivors. Yeah, um, because there's not a lot of them because of the you know the, the, the drugs, disease, the yeah. disease, the, the, you know, just the the lifestyle. In the of gangs, shout, uh, so agents, many of them. yeah. But there's some really fascinating ones as they they talk about what it was actually like when, for that brief moment, they had budgets, they had premieres. And it's, yeah. it's something that wouldn't happen these days. But, I mean, you know, it's one of the uh, classic, I mean, of uh, the movie Insatiable, which is, was one of the big movies at the time. And I, I for research purposes, I watched it. Yeah. Uh, my mother's not listening to this episode. She does know we have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and opening scene, a helicopter in there. And right. you're just going, no... Porn views in the world, these days, would be. We're going to get a. They'd probably use a helicopter. drone to be fair. No, but no, not for the shot. Yeah. Actually, in the movie, so right. they're actually flying in, in helicopters. This, I mean, the budgets on them compared to what they yeah. eventually ended up in, <laughs> I and mean, it was just we've got a hotel room for four hours <laughs> and a Santa wipe. Let's go. <laughs> the,
2: the film that it's, Doug was talking about wasn't a porn, wasn't film, a porn film, film originally. No, but became. And, and yeah, that's yeah. what. Had to that's some of the most devastating moments in that movie. Is that you've got actors who didn't sign on for a porn movie who no. have who thought, well, it's just sex on camera, it's yeah. gonna be easy, and it's not. No, and it's... the
0: degree to which they're, yeah, it's that thing
1: of you think you're psychologically ready for something and then it happens, and mm. then but the porn sheet infiltrated everything. I mean, Caligula was not supposed to have porn sequences, and Bob only went, yeah, it will. So we'll right. come back when the finished filming. Yeah, but they were actual porn actors. Bring the actors, porn actors in. Yeah, yeah. They, these were it's, not. And that, it's, it's the, it's, yeah. it, it must be, I mean, it was only really maybe three or four years, maybe, that, that yeah. became the big thing post Deep Throat, and, you know, I can't even imagine it these days. And admittedly, I have to, because I, as a kid, we used to walk past what is now the comedy club here in Auckland, right. and that was a porn theatre still. Right. And we had, I remember the posters were up there in plain sight, and then later on, I remember. It was just the VHS cover plastered in the place <laughs> because things had gone from we've got films of, you know, the actual 70s full, you know, full on porn chic ones. And now it's just this is the shot on video stuff. So I would say now it's, it's it's full of comedians. So basically it hasn't really changed. <laughs> Putting themselves out there for people to. I've judge. also been backstage <laughs> with, at that classic. and I don't think the couches have
0: changed. I used since to be then either. Nothing's changed um, there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because there was that whole thing in the um, States as well where. As strip malls became the home for movie theaters, and there became uh, ordinances in a lot of them that they couldn't play adults-only movies, yeah. and that was kind of the um, death of porn as the mainstream. Is that um, you had these communities that didn't want, you know, they they didn't want adult movies taking over their local strip malls movie theater, and so the the they're effectively banned, and so it became a self-limiting. Um, audience, and that reduced the breakthrough that they could get into those locations. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, yeah, and, and then I think just, um, I mean, you get people like and Intimacy yeah. and uh, Gaspar
1: Noe's Love, and there's has you know, been a few other
0: films. It's, yeah, it, it's um,
1: screen yeah. and big screens now is, is art. And I remember oh, uh, the yeah. movie Nine Songs. Oh, yeah. One of my colleagues that I was working with at a job went and saw it. And I said, well, what do you think of it? She said, well, I've watched porn before, but never with 300 people in the same room as me. So <laughs> <laughs> it, was new, it was strange. <laughs> so on that topic, what have you been watching? What? <laughs> well, or not sensation will um, <laughs> I, I should probably talk about uh, the and I's date movie that we watched one night, because um, we'd sent the boy to bed, and it's, we were flipping through Plex and going, well, what haven't we watched recently? And we followed it up to one movie, and we just went, what the hell? So our date movie was Blue Velvet. Uh, for the first time for both of us. Right. That is such a date movie. Such oh a date my movie. God. Second, second only to the story of Ricky Earl and our date movies. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, ooh, we, we looked at each other at the end of it and I think, I think my only comment was, well, that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I have I they, So do you know this. nothing
0: about Blue Velvet I'd going in? I've seen it about six seen times. little so yeah. of it
1: and I've seen yeah. classical little clips of Dennis Hopper being Dennis Hopper. Yeah. But when you watch that movie for the first time it is holy shit this man is dangerous yeah this is not acting if it is acting he's a the one of the greatest actors i've ever seen and if yeah. it's just dennis hopper then clear the set and just leave mm, leave yeah. the camera running and come back in an hour because he's terrifying in that yeah. scene and you know you know the scene i'm talking about of yes. course and the whole movie it's just you go he can't take this performance anymore any bigger and still be believable and he is he's never a, a cartoon of himself he's mm, just yeah. he's just horrifying yeah he yeah so he, he With, carries without a gas mask With, without the gas mask oh yeah. right. <laughs> timely movie
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh we're gonna sell the new Dennis Hopper a <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh and Kyle McLaughlin... Yeah, look, I think they just discovered, discovered
0: a great way to make mask wearing more popular is uh, put some
1: nitrous in them. And, uh, I actually ordered a mask coming from the States, which hopefully will turn up in time for the movie marathon this year because it's awesome. And right. it's... Um, yeah, it's... Oh, two words, Mad Max. Right. So, oh, right. Yeah, so I'm... I, I, I wear masks all the time now and wear your masks because if you can't turn them into a fashion statement then what can you do <laughs> I, I did like the, the mask I saw which had a dark helmet on and I'm surrounded by assholes uh, underneath <laughs> it and I was so close to buying it by my boss like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Blue Velvet as I say it's I know it's it's one of these movies that have been people have seen it have probably seen it three or four times yeah. it's kind yeah, of Twin Peaks take yeah, one isn't it very much but even you know Twin Peaks felt like you know Sound of Music in comparison to yeah. it it didn't feel as dark Kyle McLaughlin looked like me the whole way. It's just what's going on. I don't know. I, I'm I'm out of my element here. So um.
0: I think what's really amazing about Blue Velvet is that it has this you know this real artificial tone at the start. You know, with Kyle McLaughlin as the G Wiz young boy and Laura Dern as the aw shucks mm-hmm. girl, and then it's just like, and uh, it's just invaded by this whole other tone, and you know you have that. Scene, um, near the end on his front yard where Isabella Rossellini turns up, um, you know, b- battered and bruised and naked. And yeah. um, and it just, um, you know, you often get movies that shift tones and do that, and some, do it with varying degrees of success. Like some Korean movies do it great and other movies yeah. terrible. But somehow it, like, kind of a, k- keeps both tones going as these worlds collide. And it's a very... Yeah. Clever um, balancing act that it does. That you know, you still buy into the artificial, like kind of innocence of the you know Kyle McLaughlin's young world, and you feel it being violated in the film, even though you know it was not real, and you and mm. you still like, you know, you you're still hurt hurt by that
1: destruction of it mm. yes yeah. it it's if it was it's an experience not one i'll probably go back and repeat myself mm. uh you know i'd probably maybe watch again but i'll give it another 10 or 15 years yeah. before I <laughs> get back into oh, that yeah. one but yeah glad i watched it actually so um it's, it's scratch off my list of many things <coughs> raging ball <Right. laughs> <laughs> oh really um it's on the list somewhere <laughs> yeah. wow it's but before we get into raging and... ball again I'll, I'll pass on to darren first. okay
2: well, it's, um, I'm going to have some help from Doug for this one because Doug was the one who um, allowed us to see the flooding with love for the kid.
0: Oh, <laughs> yes. No, I didn't what, know
2: that. Like, um, I'm still processing this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, let me just read what the synopsis from IMDb because it gives you an idea. It's one man, one camera, one 220 square foot apartment, one war. And it's essentially a one-man show of First Blood. <laughs> if if you if Sylvester Stallone is too much for you, <laughs> then um, Or maybe Brian Dennehy, for that matter. <laughs> or Brian Dennehy, or David Caruso, yeah. or... <laughs> so it's... <laughs> it's and Zachary it Oberzon. Yes,
0: Zachary Oberzon, it's First Blood, the novel as well, yes. to be clear, which has some major plot deviations, but...
2: Very much so, it's, <laughs> it's um it's all done as it says in his apartment the television is uh, can be clearly seen in most scenes the, uh, the bookshelves quite the often book shelves, yeah it's um there's scenes in his bathroom there's um a flashback scene where he uh, where rambo john rambo is um been captured and um we managed to see him being pissed on from a great height by himself. <laughs> which.
1: <laughs> the magic of movies, folks. Yeah.
2: Well, I don't uh, To call it a movie is, is also generous, but it's, um, <laughs> it's an hour and 47 minutes of watching one man.
1: Cry s- for help.
2: Basically. Yes. <laughs> it is, it, there is definitely a psychological breakdown. I mean, of. You can't help but watch. In watching one person do all this, mm. you can't help. It feels like you are seeing inside of of the actor more than just watching the what's on screen. It's uh, or the need to do it in the first place. The um, but it's it's f- an experience in a half.
0: Yeah, I I found I had a really interesting moment about ninety minutes in because it has you know it's such a. um distancing technique it's like Dogville or something where you're just like we're not gonna have sets we're just gonna draw lines on the floor and have fun (laughs) and it's a similar thing it's like Mm. you know you can imagine a film set that's filmed entirely in somebody's apartment where they you know put up a a decoration of trees behind, it, or bring in some bushes, or mm. you know, do any sort of set dressing. All this is not that version. This is literally <laughs> like if we just picked up a camera in this room and like maybe like <laughs> and film *Gone with the Wind*. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, and and we had this little staircase in the corner here, being you know, the, not just the proscenium, but also like the hill. And you know, we had like <laughs> one person laying on the floor and like maybe digitally quintupled them um but there's a point about 95 minutes in where I'm like actually I have a really major plot issue that's keeping me from really fully appreciating <laughs> that and I really did and I, and it's actually a, a, something that gets fixed in the movie adaptation which is this bizarre like there's this psychic connection between the Dennehy oh, character and Rambo character that's in the book that It's really weird. I I haven't read the book, but this Mm. um, adaptation seems fairly um, true to the book. And in fact, some of the things that seem most absurd are shown on screen as actual lines from the book. Um, So he's actually, Zachary Oberzon is an Obie Award winning actor who had done Rambo solo as a um, performance um, but OBs are like the New York Theater Awards, so right. not Tonys, but you know right. the regional variation. And um, so. and this is apparently just the start of his cinematic delirium because <laughs> his second film is a story about him and his boxer, that, his brother, that involves a VHS of Kickboxer and recreation the Jean Claude Van Damme film. And the, his third film is about uh, Abbas Kiristami's close up, but um, played. The main character played as an Elvis impersonator. Um, so.
1: <laughs> I haven't explored those yet, but. Um, no, but you will. Yeah. Uh, and you'll invite us, because I can see this. I yes. only heard the descriptions. It's. Yeah. Um, I, it's.
2: It always feels like an experiment for me. I, there was never a moment where I felt like I was watching a movie. I always felt like I was watching one man play. Yeah, 28, 30 different characters, <laughs> including um, there's a, a scene where he is four different people in a forest looking for.
0: Oh, yeah. And they're all
1: like lying Lying on. next yeah. to each so other.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, there's I, I, lots of very primitive visual effects. I've got to read the message that Doug sent me because he was doing this movie day and I, he sent me a message to find out he wasn't doubling up any film and said, have you ever shown Flooding with Love for the Kid, The World's Greatest Sinner, Hallucination Strip, or Don't Let the River Beast Get You? And I responded, <laughs> I have never heard of any of those <laughs> movies. <laughs> so he was safe to go
0: with yeah. those. And we, yeah, then. we didn't get to River Beast or uh, Hallucination Strip, which uh, will be safe for future times. We did do The World's Greatest Sinner, which is uh, Timothy Carey doing. Um, a very cut-rate version of a face in the crowd,
2: <laughs> but
0: mm. oh, yeah. But Sound yeah, no
2: it's it's worth seeing just for the what the fuck factor.
1: Yeah, I also do feel the, I have to see this movie. It's on Vimeo,
2: yeah. actually. You can uh, you can rent it for all three of them from the filmmaker. Right, um, so, I, yeah. I find it hard to believe that he actually won an award. That it's. Uh... I, I mean, he he differentiates the characters, and I think the. Um, i suppose so
0: it's um and i i feel like you know you always know which character you're getting to when they're
2: there and yeah but i don't know if that's enough to mean you should win an
1: award mm. if,
2: well i don't know
0: if you want <laughs> it
1: for this specifically yeah, um, I, 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 I hope not <laughs> but he won it for something so yes. well done well done Nick. But yeah it's
2: <laughs> it's worth finding just to say you saw it <laughs>
1: Right, so back to me now. Oh, Doug. Oh, Some, somehow, oh, yeah. that
0: somehow, even though I took oh, sorry, that over, it was, over, no, it was no, actually. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, it wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Shut my mouth. Uh, <laughs> that was a
1: tag team effort. That, that was a tag uh, team effort. Yeah. So, so, Doug, what, so, what would you like Darren to talk about? <laughs> um, well, you're welcome to if you know much about it. Um,
0: <laughs> I, um, I watched uh, a 1958 film. By Carol Zaman, who's a Czech animator, called Invention for Destruction, which is also (laughs) known as The Fabulous World of Jules Verne. And he's a Czech animator that, like, it's all this kind of black and white. Um, It's very reminiscent of um, some of uh, Terry Gilliam's Monty Python Mm. animations. And he just uses an eye popping mix of, like, very, you know, paper cut out stuff and then sets that are designed with a similar look. Mm. And, um, yeah, you see a still from it and you kind of feel like, oh, that's probably a little stylized thing. But can it really sustain for 82 minutes? And it actually does. And it's a very um, basic sci-fi plot sort of movie. Um, I, I The plot's already gone from my head, honestly. But um, I was just... Uh, Yeah, really blown away. Um, There's a a second run who's a UK uh, Blu-ray DVD label. I had bought a copy of it while I was over there. And then shortly after that, Criterion released a set of three of his films. I'm like, oh, oh, wow. But I hadn't even watched the one. So I'm like, well, I guess I'll watch the one and see if I have to figure out how to track down these other ones. And I think I do now because... um, yeah probably the re- the reverse artificiality of uh, flooding with love for the kid um it's one i <laughs> I may have to show it again if you guys haven't seen it because i i I don't know how um widely popular or known the film the films are generally and and it's so groundbreaking
1: in its techniques I'm surprised it's not. I feel like I've seen clips from it. Maybe not mm. seen the movie, but definitely the. Yeah, well, There's was also a Baron Munchausen one. Which yeah, I he also, he also did
0: a, Yeah, he did the Munchausen one, and there was a third one. It's like Journey to the Beginning of the World. I don't know if you've ever seen the Wondermark cartoon, but um, it uses a lot of this sort of similar, like kind of an intense line cut, kind of look to a lot of it that looks very mm. oldie timey and um, n- not very innately c- cinematic. At all, it look you know it looks like something you'd see in an illustration book rather
1: than right. on film, and so to see it in motion is is doubly striking. Sounds fascinating. So definitely something we'd probably want to have a look at at some stage when you're uh, when you've forgotten it, <laughs> when you've enough movies and come back. I think, as I said, I already have. So easily. <laughs> <enough. laughs> nice. Well, so back on my last couple months, the last few days, I've been uh, last probably a week or so. I've just been. And when we got back into lockdown, it was kind of uh, here we go again. So I, yeah. I rewatched a bunch of stuff that I'd seen before rather than trying to sit down with something I hadn't seen. And um, including one which I got re- recommended by Doug, which is not the one I'm going to talk about, but <laughs> it is The Flying Guillotine because that is Doug's Woo-hoo! one of his favourite martial arts movies of all time. Ouch. Which I watched and I went to give it a rating on Letterboxd and went, You are rewatching this movie. And I went, I, I am. Yeah. Actually, so
0: to to be fair, it's Master of the Flying Guillotine. Is that, your at, yeah, yeah, I watched. Uh, so there is and Flying four. Guillotine Two are up there. So Flying Guillotine. It struggles because it doesn't have enough
1: flying guillotine in it. Because it takes <laughs> them like
2: half the movie to
1: invent a while. it. They invent so, it. They do yeah. a lot of training, and it's yeah. Oh, yeah, I actually R and D. <laughs> the legend <laughs> flying guillotine I saw at Doug's place, which is more of a martial. It's more like Street yeah. Fighter Two with gil- flying guillotines. Yeah. Because everything can be improved with flying guillotines. Yeah. And there's, there's even a knockoff one called Fatal Flying Guillotine, which came three years later. Yeah, I think that's so a Taiwanese yeah. version. Yeah, yeah. So there's a bunch of different ones, but that's that's worth having a look at. I rewatched The Untouchables, which still holds up as absolutely my favorite mm-hmm. Prime Department. Film because I always find Brian De Palma when he's trying to be Hitchcock just makes me go, you're not Hitchcock. I'm sorry, Mr. De Palma, but it does mm. not work for me. Uh, and with Cinema Z, we Aww. watched a movie called Kung Fu Zombie, which did everything it said on the tin. Yeah. Apart from really having zombies, so we're more like copying vampires. <laughs> Kung Fu. But the one I did want to talk about because Shutter has released here in New Zealand, so the Shutter horror thriller streaming services out Aussie New Zealand now, and I grabbed it and picked up a few of them and had a look at a few films and I watched the movie Sightseers oh, which yes. is Ben Wheatley who did Kill List and uh, what was that one on the t- High the Rise High Rise, one on the Futuristic Tower uh, and um, Free Fire and I've, I've always kind of it's, I've struggled with this first couple of films I saw because Kill List was the first one I saw which is very much a movie of two parts it seems to have a, a hard cut three quarters of the way through and becomes an entirely yeah. different movie and that threw me high rise liked it aesthetically didn't really do much for me and i forgot about it soon afterwards free fire i loved because it's that's my kind of jam mm-hmm. like an hour and a half long uh gunfight yeah cool essentially i'm, I'm yeah. up for that but just a fun movie and Sightseers, by far my favorite yeah. that i've seen of his and it's quintessentially british black comedy it's I mean, I, how much of the plot do I want to say? It's it, the, the description that it's I saw in like Shadow a road was, trip, which is like a road ramble. It was. It's basically <laughs> two people go on a holiday and, as <laughs> it says in the Shadow description, kill Boy, people, kill people <laughs> that annoy them or are rude or nasty to them. And that's kind of the first 20 minutes to 30 minutes, yes. and then it just becomes... Yeah. Natural born killers with tea.
2: Yeah. It's,
1: because, well, it's the great yeah.
2: Steve Oram and Alice Lowe. Um, oh, yeah. Alice Lowe of Prevenge. I still have And, seen Prevenge, and, um, but, uh, and uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark, Dark, place. Dark place. And
1: uh, Welcome to Jinzi, which where I first saw her. Ah, yes. yes. Welcome so, to Jinzi, which is a very surreal British comedy sitcom okay. type Don't one. Know it. Oh, it's it's You'd probably quite like it because its it's got a very. It's just a, a thing where they. It almost feels like sketch comedy wrapped together into episodes set on this this little fictional island where everything is odd and never really explained as to okay. why it's that odd but yeah she's fantastic in the movie and it's it's a movie where you just you go along for this little ride for them and you just kind of go well nothing's going to go well for anybody yeah. but it's not a downbeat Everything Everyone's going to die. Maybe I watched Cemetery Without Crosses last night, which was a. Oh, that's s- been on my two B list. Yeah, the two B one, which is halfway through. You're just like, not many people get to happy anyway. Right. And but you you felt the same way about about Sightseers, but it was just a fun ride to watch horrible things happen. So it's a weird. I saw this specific because I
0: think it was in the incredibly strange. It was definitely in the film festival. Definitely film festival one. I think. Yeah, it was just a fun.
1: Yes. yes. ride a, 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 a fun yeah.
0: road to the a fun socially yeah. irresponsible responsible ride.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, so if you got shot, I definitely recommend having a look at that. Prevenge is on there as well, which I haven't seen yet. But Darren continues to talk that up. It is, it up, is so I'm good. Gonna check it's that out. Very yeah. good. And it's I mean, there's a small selection in New Zealand at the moment because they're still working out rights, but it's. There's been some fun stuff there the Devil's candy was the first thing I watched which has got oh the is very, that on there It's yeah the very reliable Ethan Emery in that oh, yeah. um, we were well, I... directed by Sean Byrne who did the loved ones and
0: yeah. uh, Keith Calder
1: who's produced a lot of horror stuff, produced the Devil's candy and I've got the loved ones and I've never got around to watching it because of the description of the it's Torture pretty in pink. It's pretty in pink meets Wolf Creek. And um, the words Wolf Creek on the title of anything or in any description, I mean, Dawn says that you're not watching that when I'm in the house or within 100 miles of it because she hated that movie. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that's
0: not far off. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll dig out the yeah. DVD at some stage. but Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. But there's definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm quite enjoying Shutter, as I say. I cancelled Prime yeah. to make way for it because I found that Prime over in, in New Zealand compared to what I see on... Amazon Prime in the states, yeah. the selection is tiny. There is so much filler, and the movies just don't change that often. It's like the, hmm. a new thing over we'll here in New Zealand will come out once every couple of weeks. There's, there's not a good. That's selection. not actually true though, because
0: I um, there's a service I called t- Just Watch, and. Uh, if you follow it, you can oh, get lists of all the things that out. show up. And so, like, there's actually, like, turned out to be 30 to 50 new movies a day. And to be fair, like, 20 of them are Indian. Yeah, uh, yeah, and do. so they're not all, like, But and they'll just be random stuff that pops up. Like, the other week it was like, oh, here's a bunch of early 80s movies by Sarah Driver, who's Jim Jarmusch's uh, partner, and uh, Ron Mann, the um, documentary director. And so I watched, like, a free jazz documentary and a early Sarah Driver
1: film uh, that are just randomly oh, there then Prime needs yeah. to sort out Zag because as far as I could tell there was just nothing turning up and what <laughs> they turned up was shocking so. yeah no they're, they're yeah. very terrible self promoters Yeah.
0: anyway but Darren
2: well it's um, I was going to talk about a film um, starring someone that uh, uh, Steve Oram uh, it's who was in Sightseers. It's a film called Dark Song. I'm not going to talk about that, but it is actually very, very good. Oh, I'm desperate to see it that. Is, yeah, it is it's... a. It's basically a um, a black magic procedural.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. It's a, um, a a woman has lost her her child has died. I won't go into the specifics on that, and she reaches out to a. Um, uh, someone who's gifted in the black arts um to uh, to do a uh, um some magic to achieve something again not going to go into specifics uh, but it um she buys a house and he um does uh, magic around the house they can't leave that house for a month and um and they go into the absolute minutia of of each magical act. Right. But it is... Um, it's a real experience. It's, um, ag- again, it's something I really recommend, but my, I'm um, not gifted with words today for some reason, so I... <laughs> Good
1: thing we're recording.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I told you, to put that in that tea, get a beer, let's go, come on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it, it is something else, and the tone is not what you expect for what the story is. It right. doesn't necessarily go where you're expecting it to, but you've never seen something about magic done in such detail. Right. And it keeps you there, and you care about both characters, and it's uh, and it really is only two actors Yeah, per- for pretty much the whole film. It's one that's been on my radar for quite a while. Ever since I heard about
0: it, it sounded
1: really up my alley. Um,
0: Usually when people say slow burn horror, it's... Mm. uh,
1: It sounds like the kind of claustrophobic sort of horror I like. So that's... Mm. What was that again? It was dark... A dark song. A dark dark song. song. A dark song. But that's Mm -hmm. not the film I wanted to talk about. (laughs) So we we didn't talk about that.
2: that. (laughs) (laughs) What I want to talk about is a film that is called The Best of Times. Now, it's a film that I'd never heard of, which staggers me because... (laughs) It's it's star- <laughs> well, because it's me, for a start, who knows of a lot of things, uh, but it's, it stars Robin Williams and Kurt Russell, right? and it is in 1986, which is the peak of Robin Williams' time. Mm-hmm and I don't think it's ever shown well to be fair Museum Patch Adams didn't come out till 1990 <laughs> <laughs> this is the last episode of Lucas <laughs> <Christ Jesus. laughs> every week somebody <laughs> says something and this we get snug <laughs> and this is just an absolute treat this film is uh, Robin Williams plays a um, a guy who was um, I suppose he's just a, a small time loser he uh uh back in the 70s he played in his college football he didn't make the big catch and as far as he's concerned that ruined his life right and so he's been stuck ever since and so he um someone gives him the idea uh to um uh to redo it to get the game together again and do better this time around And uh, Kurt Russell was the the sports star of the team and it's basically Robin Williams and Kurt Russell both at the peak of their comedic powers. Kurt Russell is just funny all the way through and it's it's it staggers me that I'd never heard of it. I showed it to my parents who'd never heard of it. I don't think it's been shown on New Zealand TV. Um, and it's written r- by Ron Shelton. Interestingly, I've just looked up who did Bull Durham. Yeah. Um, so you know, definitely has Spottiswood. Yeah. Right. It's um, also stars Pamela Reed. There's Donald Moffat, who's the um, asshole father-in-law. But, but he well, <laughs> a good line in that type of role. <laughs> yeah. There's M. Emmett Walsh is in there. R.G. Armstrong, Dub Taylor. It is an excellent fun it's just a funny movie yeah and it's um it's just a funny movie that not many people have heard of right well maybe our ludicrously specific one next
0: time is films that we talked about in this episode that the rest of us haven't seen (laughs) 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 except for these six hour long podcasts (laughs) yeah Yeah. the the, well i'm tempted to talk about the charlie kaufman film on the basis of that (laughs) but uh I, i think i'll skip that one because uh all i'll say about the new charlie kaufman film uh, is before you watch it, ideally you will watch A Beautiful Mind and Oklahoma, and that's not sarcasm. That's an actual viewing recommendation because I wished I had seen them before watching. I'm thinking of ending things on Netflix. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I've I've been doing a lot of rewatching as well. Um, Gross Point Blank was one that I pulled out that was a nice I've comfort viewing movie, and I've been to. I've never seen it. it oh wow! I literally
1: oh, wow. have been sitting on that for about. Two years ago, oh, is... one of these Friday nights, I'm going to put it on. And every Saturday morning, I look at it and go, oh, I should have put that on. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: it, it's, it holds up. It's, did um, John Cusack write this as well? Uh, really? he,
0: he was one of the writers in it. Yeah. He, he and D.B. Uh, De Laurentiis and um, Somebody Pink. And um, there's like a group of four of them. And Armitage did a pass as well. And this story is that, because uh, George Armitage, who did Miami Blues, directed gross point blank and the story is they gave him 135 page script and then he cut it down to 100 pages to shoot it and then they brought back most of the dialogue as improv on the day but uh, <laughs> at least they had the uh, a shootable uh script and um during there's been a few other online film festivals as well and one of them was uh last year when i was in italy there was il cinema retrovato in bologna that does old retrospective screenings, and they did a thing where you could buy a pass for a week. And so I watched some stuff on that and a lot of obscure stuff, but also a few famous retrospectives, and they had a re-screening of uh, California Split, the um, Elliot Gould, uh, oh, uh, Robert and film. Oh, it's terrific. It's such a um, good film. One of the iconic Elliot Gould uh, performances uh, in there. But um, the film that I just revisited yesterday that uh, I wanted to draw attention to was the Steven Soderbergh version of Solaris, oh, um, which uh, was universally reviled when it came out. Um, there's a... Uh, somebody just did a list of the 17 films that have ever got an F on Cinema Score, <laughs> which is a quite diverse set of films. There's Disaster Movie, the um, Free Freeburg, you know... The, yeah, the, piece the, of shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Silent House um but also william friedkin's bug is on there um the aronofsky's mother
1: um you know uh, so not, not the movie his actual mother's on there. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah no, they, horrible uh, his mother was um, given an if let's not go into that <laughs> yeah. the,
0: the devil inside the famous um horror film that ends with a uh, information card that says if you want to know what happens at the end of this film go to this website oh, um, fuck. oh. <laughs> yes that actually ca- happened <laughs> um and uh, and Soderbergh Solaris, which was marketed uh, to the American public, released on Thanksgiving weekend, as if it was a perfume commercial romance, um, you know, and is one of the most bleakest films about grief and loss. Uh, and I saw it on that opening weekend with a packed cinema who was already upset because like there was literally a half hour after the posted start time, they were still showing trailers and ads and then it started and then they completely lost it because <laughs> it is, um, it is a nonlinear, uh, Clooney at his most restrained, uh, very small cast for the most part um, and very compact and on all levels. Like, um, Tarkovsky's original is I think hundred and sixty minutes. Mm. This is ninety three oh, minutes. Longer than that, I think. Um and uh, it it's and it short it so it short circuits a lot to get to where it's going and there's a lot of intuitive leaping and intercutting through different time levels and stuff. Um, and and it's, it's it's before it's time in so many ways, I, I one of the reasons I thought to revisit it is I um, got this book of Stanley Kaufman's, uh, film reviews out of the library recently. Um, it was, was just sitting on the film shelf. I'm like, eh, okay. I sort of remember him and it's, um, and he was a really pithy writer for the new Republic. And, um, and so it's fun going through like 98, um, in real time going forward, seeing what was coming out at the time as he was talking about it. And, um, his comment about the score from Solaris is a future where melody no longer exists. <laughs> um, and I love Cliff Martinez's score for Solaris. It's one of my top 5 most listened to scores I own it on vinyl and it's it's an incredible piece of music that's utterly distinctive and is is cap- perfectly captures the feeling that you have an emotion that you're almost connecting with, but you can't quite identify what it is. So whereas a lot of film music just says, this is what you want to feel, feel it. It's like, it just sort of bubbles up under, but never quite forces you into that. Um, Yeah. And um, so it's George Clooney and Natasha McElhone and, um, and Viola Davis and Jeremy Day- Davies, in what is it was a very um, so there are a lot of things that piss people off about this film. The first is the thought that it's going to be a traditional romance instead that st- it's this like sci-fi. Uh, I don't want to spoil the premise for those who haven't seen Tarkovsky's original, other than it involves um, coming to terms with grief in outer space um, as they're interacting with an alien planet called Solaris that mm. seems to be interfering with what happens on the ship in unusual ways Uh, and um, and they have I mean from the first time that they meet Jeremy Davies character and you know how often in these science fiction movies you know they're listening to the old time music from you know the old days and they'll have some Frank Sinatra or Elvis Presley like they do and um Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Here it's insane clown posse, and Jeremy <laughs> Davies is just sitting there like wow. you know. It's uh, classical music, by that insane. So. Well, yeah, and and and, and it, just point. every single choice is that audacious, and and <laughs> and it it's nonlinear, and it's it's emotionally difficult, and I love it. I just love it. And wow. I just I, I just and it still holds up. There's a little place near the end where you can tell. They, something wasn't quite working and we're like okay we're going to put a lot of dialogue under this shot and go on to the next one <laughs> and, um, and that's the only thing that to me is less than perfect about it so oh, wow. yeah
2: the original Solaris is actually 2 hours 47 167 minutes I 67. was whole for, what <laughs>
0: seven, 7 minutes, minutes, seven all. minutes yeah. off. That, well. that's
1: important
0: <laughs> some, <Those laughs> are probably, that's probably just the end credits to so be <laughs> fair some nerd was going to complain and or oh, half, we just
1: did. half
0: the length of driving <laughs> to so that was the other thing when it came out like you'd think that like cineasts would be like really intrigued by this film but instead like George Clooney like was doing press conferences and people would say well how is yours different from Tarkovsky's and would be like it's not 6 hours Hours long, you know, it's like, <laughs> they, you know, you could have, you, they spend it, they take the whole run length of our movie just to drive to Solaris <laughs> on, on that. And there is a famous sequence in the yes. um, Tarkovsky one where it's just like in the motorways and it just goes on and on. There's but something no. about
2: that movie I've never seen the remake, and mainly because I bought into all the bad reviews. And I'm, I, I have to say, I'm really intrigued now. I will. I, it's, I, I might actually watch it, not like Skeets. I, I haven't seen Solaris either. Of them. I have seen but, Stalker. But let's not so give Skeets I, any homework because so exactly. you can't guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Nothing will guarantee it not being seen. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> when my during my movie year of movies, I did watch Stalker as as one of my art selections, yeah. and it was intriguing, and yeah. I was I thought it was very very good. But yeah, as as you when it comes to kind of going a three hour long movie, which I have to be a, wide awake for because otherwise mm. it's probably going to lull me into. Mm. Watching but this it is over only three an sessions.
2: hour, hour thirty seven something like it? that. Yeah, it's I don't think remake.
1: I want to see the remake first yeah. in this one though. I yeah. definitely think I would have to see the original and what do it yeah. in two year chunks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not as a double feature. Yeah. <laughs> they,
0: they are they are because um, they're both adaptations of a Stanislav Lem book, mm-hmm. and so they they are kind of very individual takes and very different looking and paced and feeling pictures but the characters have the same name and the fundamental story is the same but um, I feel like there are definitely films that you could watch in relatively close succession without feeling like this again
2: you You say it's one of the um, one of the bleakest stories about grief and loss where Uh, would hereditary come (laughs) in there I mean maybe it's not it's Maybe it's not the
0: bleakest, but it is um it, it rubs it in your face and right. it and it is um and and I, I think, you know, the, the I'd say it's an open-ended film in a way that it gives you something to kind of mm-hmm. wrestle with, but it, it would it it kind of it I guess suppose it argues that there is no easy resolution um to it. But it's just it is confrontational. Um It is also potentially elliptical enough that maybe it doesn't land, where something like hereditary is such a closed system and Mm. so banging its point on the head that Mm. you can become numb to it in a different way. But, um, yeah, have a look and let me know what you think. Yeah, I definitely will. All right, shall we take a quick pause and then um, enter a horrifying
1: aspect of our discussion? Or has this (laughs) been enough for one afternoon? Well... I'm still ready to keep going. Yeah, my beer's halfway full, uh, so we going to keep talking for a little bit longer. Okay, well, let's... We're, uh, we're heading to the month of October, so... Yeah, and the reason that I
0: decided that we should ditch our uh, shtick for at least one episode is because I'm I'm going away for about nine days tomorrow. And uh, in my absence, uh, the Hollywood is becoming the horror wood. Our uh, mm. local cinema has embarked on what I think is the single most ambitious retrospective programming event I've seen since I've moved to New Zealand um, by any one cinema. Um, I mean, there there really
1: hasn't been revival theatres since the the rise of the multiplex, because, I mean, you used to have... Every neighbourhood had their own theatre. You'd have, you know, there was... When I lived in... uh, Growing up, there was the West Side, which was a a little theatre, which you guys would have hated, because even I knew that it had the wrong aspect ratio, because every (laughs) movie projected off the side of the screen and right. projected slightly too high or slightly too low and it was just a great little theater where they would show you know you go there on saturday and watch back to back star wars movies and normally not star wars followed by empire strikes back and it'd be empire strikes back followed by return of the jedi or sometimes just whatever they could find lying around and you get these great little double features would play but then the multiplexes arrived and one by one the doors closed the buildings have got knocked down and there was no, already Yeah, and there was no real revival. And it's yeah. taken a pandemic to get revivals rolling in because there's nothing else coming out. It's school holidays here in New Zealand, and I've got to say, school holiday movies, there's about six ones for kids, and every single one looks like utter dross. Return of the Jedi's out this weekend, by the way. I did see that one, although, oddly enough, my kid is not a Star Wars fan. I showed it to him fairly young, and he kind of sat there and went,
0: yeah um, uh, what Sorry, what's Sif's number?
1: <laughs> <laughs> he did insist during the last, since our last um, session that we had to watch the movie It Part 1 because he's right. turned into a, a horror fan and he sat there and he Turned into... Moulded, I think, molded. might be uh, Well, it's old enough, and he sat there and he loved it. And it's uh, the thing is, he plays horror games, he loves horror right. movies. And I would take him to some of these horror movies if they were in R16, but you throw an older horror movie like poltergeist or the thing and those practical effects they get him every time because he's used right. to see you guys jump scares things you're like boo jump out at you yeah he tapped out of the thing right he literally we got to the first bit where a dog started to go and he just went i'm done with this movie <laughs> and, well,
2: and poltergeist because i was there when oh, he watched gosh, that yeah. it's, uh, poltergeist
1: is suburbia mm. so there's no there's no disconnect no you, it hits him where he lives it's it's a normal looking house with a normal looking family and horrific things happen and maybe some of the special effects don't look as crisp and clean as a CGI one does now mm. but they still they still work mm. pretty well
2: but yeah and so. the way the family interact is just so natural and mm. real that it can yeah I that could really mess with him has he has he finished Poltergeist. Or
1: uh, yeah, we, we watch Poltergeist all the way through, so we'd be like that. It was the scariest movie he had ever seen until he saw Jaws. <laughs> Jaws was the scariest movie. Ever seen. I'm, yeah. I t- Poltergeist was the film that traumatized me as a kid, and right. I
0: have um, yet to revisit it. Eighty three. So how old would you be in eighty three? You had been what eleven? 10, 11 10, 11? To, yeah. yeah, it was on cable, so it would have been eleven probably. Yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, I jumped into bed for a year, so those bloody clown arms might get me. <laughs> wow. But it was also just the vision of the face melting and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's, that's
1: when you that yeah. yeah.
0: I actually, about ten years ago, I bought the DVD thinking that, like, I'd use it as a chance to try to revisit it, and I'd try to schedule a thing with some friends, and i get... Um, everybody to watch the film that traumatized them, and we could all like go through it together, <laughs> my version therapy. My, my filmmaker friend Steve Chow, his is American Werewolf in London, which to me, oh, it's God. like, how could that be? because that's
1: just such a fun mm. film. but um you know, trauma is as trauma does. But um well, we have the same thing now, because my trauma film, the first horror movie that I watched and at night and asked to see it when I was about thirteen, was the Exorcist. Right. And it was a cut down for TV version. And it still scared the piss out of me. And now wow. I look at it; it's, it's. I've tried. I've watched it since then. But every time, it's that. And now it just feels more that it's trying to be at times more gross than it is scary. And the right. the scariness is not the level I had at thirteen. Right. But there's still that residual little bit back there of right. That's, remember that that's time brilliant. you were on one end of the yeah, couch yeah. and my mate was on the other end of the couch, and someone yeah. walked in and we just about went through the ceiling. So.
2: <laughs> well, my my trauma film is a film that I didn't actually see it was um 1984 85 back when there was no particular they would just play trailers whenever they played trailers on tv mm. so after school you come home and there is the trailer for nightmare on elm street <laughs> right and okay, that, we're that messed with me i i was an insomniac for about <laughs> six months because that was at the time where... My Is that the one with the nursery rhyme? One, two, I think Freddy's yes, coming two,
1: for you.
2: Yes, yeah. that's the one. It was at the time where my, Darren's my, my dad... Darren's body just changed. Oh, yes, very much. Where my, my dad and my brother were just going away from my brother's school camp. So it was okay. just me and mum and I was just petrified. I didn't sleep for six months. Oh, uh, wow! I was yeah. My um, sister
1: saw that movie that year. Uh, I finally year saw it though on VHS oh. at a slumber party, mm. and she said no one at that slumber party slept that night. And you know she was <laughs> traumatized by it, for, probably for not maybe not for six months, but definitely for a while.
2: Uh, I um, I saw it during an October ween about two years ago. I thought I would finally just do it, and so I watched it on my own but I decided I would do it at about um, 10 in the morning.
0: Right.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Daytime horror.
0: <laughs> yeah, And I couldn't sleep for 11 hours.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it was, it was great. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really, really well-made film. And it's, of course, one of the films showing at uh-huh, Um yeah, Are absolutely. you going to go see it? Or oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Are you going to go see everything? not everything no no i'm i i'm fairly it's uh i have nerves of rusty string
1: yeah, uh, right. you're doing better though i mean you, you literally well maybe i've just got a bigger couch that doesn't move when you freak the fuck out during a movie <laughs> <laughs> and the couch goes yes, stunned I'm,
2: i <laughs> i'm not the desensitized person when it comes to horror i still feel it i still watch stuff through my fingers um, but I love it. I love horror. So did you, you would have both grown up with like the Sunday horrors and stuff yes, like that yeah. though. And so you watched all that stuff. I watched the stuff I wanted to watch. Uh, it's, um, mm. I mean, cause there was, so
1: what was the stuff you wanted to watch?
2: So a lot of it was the, um, was the hammer horrors. I was going to say, if um, you know, something
1: like right. The Devil Rides Out, you would have been like, I've got to see that movie.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That was my, um, my Nana... Uh, was very much an influence on my movie watching and so she'd tell us about Vincent Price and Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. So those were my triggers. That's what got me into, interested in horror. So anything that had Christopher Lee in it, it's, um, or, um, or a film that didn't, uh, the Asphix, which um, you, you may
1: giggle. Um,
2: that is <laughs> how the way you pronounced. pronounce that
1: word. <laughs> all the word emphasis on the first syllable, <laughs> the arse
2: fix. If you watch the movie, you know that's <laughs> how they pronounce it. But it's, it is. Ha- and you'll be like, but none of these asses are even broken. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a British Ghostbusters. It's about a scientist who uh, tries to um, keep, it um, tries to hold death. Because um, as That's the it, yeah. as as the person dies and the um, death is present to take the soul, and so he tries to um, to capture death, and it's a,
1: always a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> so it's
2: Robert Stevens and Robert Powell, and it has a nice sort of creepy atmosphere. But those were the sort of films; they weren't gory, but they were still scary enough. Mm. But, I mean, it was played on TV, so
0: presumably even the gory films weren't that gory. Probably well, they
1: were uh, They were shown at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Yeah, and there may have been some cutting in there. So I, I remember watching The, the Sunday Horrors, not for the horrors, but because I was a sci-fi buff at the time, not right. a horror f- a fan. So if something came up, like I think I watched The Fury, which and different sort of 70s sci-fi, which would come mm. on there. And I remember one which was almost like a... Like an invasion of the Body Snatchers type movie, and I cannot remember it, but I remember that one freaking me out because it was one of these things where people looked the same, and it was only a little thing on the back of their neck that, if yeah, that's where the alien went in. I do not remember oh, wow. the title of it for the life of me. Something like they're they're out there or they're they're coming to get you or something. but
2: oh, that's yeah, I, the, that I sounds like that a 1980s TV
1: show. Could have been could have been a TV movie. Like and it was a
2: mini series that became a TV. Yeah, show.
1: it's but it could have been a TV movie. Mm. And I remember that just the premise of they're out of, there. They're out there, possibly or something like that.
2: I think Sounds Jack like Scalia it. was the lead.
0: <laughs> I'm getting eye contact as if I have anything to offer <laughs> this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I do not. Do no, you <laughs>
1: remember that movie? Don't you? Yeah. No. So, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I, I was
0: not like I. Um, I after the Poltergeist gate, I just avoided horror, and I was very avoidant um, until. I mean, I remember. Um, getting dragged to um, Stephen King's Sleepwalkers with a bunch of friends, and I was a bit nervous about it, and then, like, it's just so silly. It's a Yeah.
1: Once once you get to the death by corn cob... Yeah.
2: No vegetables, no
1: dessert. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've only seen that movie once on the big screen, and oddly for me, I have no intention of going back and seeing it again. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that there's a reason to, but it wasn't even until my late
0: 20s, I don't think, where I finally... um, what happened was I joined a film board uh, on the internet because that's what happens in the late '90s, and <laughs> and um, I got there. They, they had a couple of different sub boards, and there was an art house and world cinema one, but then there was also a sci fi horror one and a European cult horror. And so I started. Then the European cult horror would, you know, they're all talking about Argento and Bavi, Bava and Fulci, and I'm like, oh, I don't know who any of these people are, but okay. And um, I'd be fr- one of the guys on there one day heard I hadn't uh, seen Night of the Living Dead and sent me his DVD of Night of the Living Dead. And um, so I steeled myself up for it and I watched it and um, it just blew my mind, Mm. Um, especially the ending of Night of the Living Dead, which I won't spoil on here, but, um, you know, gives you a sense of a film that's striving for a greater significance than just... You know, kind of. I think. I think growing up in the '80s, there was a lot of sense of horror as horror. Friday the Thirteenth, kind of. Yeah, slasher, Flashes, yeah, gore. You know, and I remember I'd actually read like a lot of the reviews of stuff, and it was kind of of maybe an imaginatively stealing myself against it in case I ever saw some Friday the Thirteenth movie where somebody's walking on stilts and Jason comes through with an axe and splits them in half <laughs> or whatever. You know, <laughs> um, it seems like they're. Like a, any number of imaginative kill scenes and, you know, and so that was my like late twenties sort of intro to it. And then shortly after that, there's a cinema that start near me that was playing a bunch of old titles. So in rapid succession, I caught up with like Suspiria and that just blew my mind mm. as to like what, and, and very quickly getting into this idea that horror could be this landscape for directors to just deliver a small number of commercially viable elements and then just go completely nuts with all the fun stuff, uh, music and, <laughs> and set design and photography and lighting and and just be like, wow. And and it, I went down that way for a while and I got really into horror and then I eventually discovered, oh yes, and there's also a bunch of horror that's just complete crap that's just uh, being, you know, and, and came back around.
1: But, horror is one yeah. of those genres where it's easy to dismiss for people that don't like horror because they've seen one yeah. bad horror movie and they paint with a big brush. And the eighty slashes—I mean, I know they were massively popular. They made so much coin for those studios. But there's a lot of dross. If you look at mm. how many slashing movies were made between eighty-one and about eighty-four, it's just every year there was twenty odd films mm. coming out plus, and that's just the ones that I could look up right now. There's probably so many other director VHS ones shot for for pennies and yeah. a bit of stage makeup. And I remember getting into the slashes for a while there because i played a lot of them on well, just one stage on tv and i was watching those and getting vhs ones and the the success rate of those movies is pretty low there's mm-hmm. ones where it's just the characters are cardboard it's just okay we'll just number them one to six and that's the order they're going to get killed and you can almost see it in the first scene and then it's just well what's the most what's the most inventive way that we can find to kill somebody mm-hmm. i remember a scene and i I can't remember the movie, it might be The Prowler, where the, someone is attacked in a shower by a guy wielding a pitchfork. And it was one ah, of these yes. scenes, bang, and just kind of going, well, that's really just not something I actually needed to see today, even though I'm watching the slasher. <laughs> it's It just feels like they've gone so over the top that that was what they first wrote, and then they wrote some dialogue later to, to on justify to justify her yes. in that yes. shower. But yeah. it's
0: interesting what you say about horror, because... Um, It is one of those genres that, you know, people say, I don't watch horror in a a way they don't say generally even I don't watch sci-fi or I don't Mm. watch Mm. um, dramas or I don't watch comedies or I don't watch action. Um, and the, it's actually similar to people who I know who won't watch art house films because they went to the Rialto in '97 and it was a strange romance about necrophilia. And they're like I, uh, this is literally a friend of mine who went and saw Kissed, which was uh, oh, a, a strange Woods romance film. about necrophilia. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, and a not n- a not very good film. And but strangely, there have been good art house films in the past twenty three years that weren't that. And uh, you know, um, but you know, it's just I guess it's. In both genres, to the extent that art house is a meaningful genre, I guess there's the danger of having some kind of internal line crossed that there really isn't in most Mm. other cinema.
2: You know, and horror is just so expansive. There's not there are Mm. so many different kinds of horror, Mm. which is why I've I've been doing October Ween, where I watch a a different uh, horror every every day. I, I might not do it this year because of the <laughs> horror wood. But I've been
1: doing that for a number of years. well you might do it shot.
0: literally because of the horror wood. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, and then you're saying I mean yeah you've you, you've been watching so many horror movies and when I when I first met Darren, horror movies were just kind of like, Oh don't I have to and then, I, I watched
2: horror but yeah. I didn't watch gory horror yeah, movies. Yeah, and,
1: and you as you say you still haven't desensitized yourself. I find I possibly have. I've got to stage to where jump scares are so obvious that they're coming up because so many movies right. now rely on them that it's just kind of like three two, one. It's gone quiet, jump, but that's why I'm there. Creepy the horror <laughs> gets me every time, and it's mm. something that will just raise the hackles. I watched the uh, um, the host, uh, host is it the uh, the little sixty minute? Oh,
0: Unshutter. Well, I on have just It's just called Host. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: Host. It's called, Get and it's it's got the jump scares in there, which you're expecting on a movie like that, but it's got just this beautiful creepy atmosphere. Mm. Sometimes just for sound effects and because you're watching moldy screens, you're watching mm. flipping from one side to the other, looking at different parts of the, your own mm. TV screen trying to watch what's happening. And I got goosebumps on both arms, which is always a good sign <laughs> for the, my, my favorite horror experience, I think, in that kind of creepy sensation was watching The Grudge, the Ju-On, right. for the first time. And I watched that during the daytime yeah, uh, over at my father-in-law's place and put it on and Sort of early evening, we watched it. And it got dark near the end of it, and it's this. If you haven't seen that, you definitely should if you like horror, because it's got this beautiful, creepy scene where someone's a figure is just walking down a hallway, just a shadow, mm. and then disappears out of sight, and then slowly rises up, and goosebumps on both mm. arms the size of duck eggs. I got home after dark. Dawn's not home at the time. <laughs> I was in a at the stage we were renting a little two bedroom place, so it's a living yeah. room and two bedrooms, and. I did not leave the living room to go close the curtains in those back bedrooms until she got home an hour later, because that stuck with me. And its I would take a a claustrophobic little horror movie like that over something where people are lopping heads off. I mean, as I said earlier, I like zombies and Mm. exploding heads, but if you want to really freak me the fuck out, give me something Mm. creepy. That
2: puts me in mind of my experience seeing um, Ringu or Ring, Ring, the original... Uh, which was at the f- um, Auckland Film Festival at Sky City, so it's not that big a theatre. Yeah. And when it's uh, spoilers, but I mean, <laughs> for a thirty. If maybe. you haven't <laughs> seen it by now, yeah. It's just there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we, the, when that thing uh, when comes out of the television, that the yeah. the, the whole thi- the whole cinema just shrunk. <laughs> I
1: yeah. felt like I was in a box. Mm. And and really bored just... me because I had heard so much about it <laughs> for over a year. I didn't see it in the cinemas. Yeah. And there was parody after parody of that scene. There was Maybe, everybody uh, yeah. and I finally watched it and after an hour of it I'm just like this is everyone said this is the scariest mm. movie you're ever gonna see. And once again it got to that scene and it's mm. creepy as hell the, the beautiful editing is mm-hmm. as she gets closer and as she starts crawling out the T V and but it, for me I was just sitting there waiting for the scares and it was just nothing happened. So, different, yeah. different, different. Sensations. as I say, if I'd gone to that completely fresh and known nothing about it, yeah, because I saw it been,
2: when it had it been released was, in New Zealand, so yeah. there wouldn't have been too much scuttlebutt about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, part of um, I think our relationship with horror has to change over time because our expectations and knowledge of what's to come. And it's interesting that we're all talking about these J horrors, and I was thinking about um, Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse and Cure, mm. which are both mind that, as well as um, one of the scariest moments. I had in the theater was in the eye in the um, elevator scene where it does that uh, camera tilt and you I realize the person. have like seen it. Oh, and I won't spoil, so, but there's stop a, me um, there is <laughs> a there is it's 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 a hit and miss film, but um, there was one scene in particular which was full body creep. Whereas um, there are other you know other reactions and like you know I mean there's a scene in twenty eight. Days later, where there's an eye gouging, where I, uh, you know, I was in a theater of three hundred people, and they all flinched. And <laughs> the composition of the um, eye gouging is um, top left to bottom right. The arms going down, and so the and and everybody flinched to the left. And it was so it was it, it was just the, that kind of command, you know, especially in a film like Twenty Eight Days Later, which relies on the handheld and and mm-hmm. what superficially can feel like a quite sloppy. Aesthetic to produce that, but you know, as we grow older, it's like, and we see these films, and we become desensitized, and then what hits us in a different way. And um, I saw Relic at the film festival, and there's this new wave of, um, like, horror has always been metaphorical, you know, Dawn of the Dead and what you know, what have you. Um, and, but there's this new wave, which I think kind of started with the Babadook, where it's like mm-hmm. we're going to make you know motherhood actually like kind of the text of it and the and the line between mm. the monster and the metaphor becomes very uh blurry mm. uh and relic i think goes to the next level where it's actually there's a and relic is about dementia
2: um and it really really is about dementia
0: yeah to the point where the film actively doesn't make sense at by the end unless you consider the two to be inextricably yes. the monster and The subject, but as somebody who's, you know, been through that with one grandparent and has an aging um, father-in-law right now who's going down a similar road, um, and that it actually can play on you in in sort of evoking. The feelings about that metaphorical subtext. Mm. So, the, the, one of the hardest-hitting scenes in the film for me, actually, is when they go to the um, place where they're looking at potentially putting the mother mm. into uh, a nursed care uh, licensed care facility, and they say they talk about the Harbor View room, and um, and she walks through, and it's exactly as depressing as any of these places that you can imagine. And you get to the end, and you and she looks around the room, and the last shot is the view and technically it's a harbor view between all the buildings and there's just like this mm. little square of water <laughs> in the middle and it just um, so the, yeah so I, I feel like on some level that stuff is actually hitting me more but at the same time uh, there is also the potential of just like kind of reaching the point where it doesn't quite work as horror. There's a film on Amazon prime. I watched recently called starfish, which was a really interesting film that played it fantastic fest. That's kind of a weird mix of, um, lost in the quiet earth and a few other things about this woman who, uh, whose best friend has died. And there's like these signals from another planet and there's these monsters and stuff, but it's also all about grief and it's, and it's, again, that kind of clumsiness between being a horror movie and then a movie that's actually about emotions. And for me, that one didn't quite land
2: functioning as a horror movie in order to <laughs> pay off. But, um, and then sometimes yeah. horror can just be kind of beautiful. It can be sometimes like yeah. a, a nice warm hug, like uh, let the right one in. I mean, there's there's a lot of blood in that hug or
0: there's
2: um there's one that i um i discovered during my october ween which has since been released by masters of cinema on um, and a beautiful 4k print or um which is the white reindeer and it's a Not heard of it when's it I, from it's um I think it's a Flemish, it's made in, fin- no, made in Finland is where it was. And it is, um, it's, is it a recent vintage? Uh, 1940 or 1950. No, okay. That, so answers, no. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be a negatory on that one. Yeah. It's 1952. And it's um, a newlywed woman goes to the local shaman to get some help with their love life. But instead, gets turned into a white reindeer vampire, okay. and it is just—it's—it right. feels like the film that you should see on the biggest screen imaginable. It's uh, there's—it's set in Finland, so it's white landscapes, snow, and there's the most reindeer I have, real reindeer I have ever seen in a film, as in this, and it's—it's um, it's just one of those little tragic stories but it's just beautiful film and and that's that's what horror can be there is just there's no there it, it, it can be a film where you've got a slasher finding new ways to skewer people with a, a screwdriver or yeah. a, so a, or tools a, a can opener or. or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly it's uh, or, but on the other hand, you can have these films where it has an interesting idea, but it's shown on a landscape that you're not used to.
1: Yeah, and with the, I mean, with the, with the Hollywood show in this in this October here is, it, it's covering so many different genres. I mean, if we have a look at some of them specifically, the one that I've, I don't know anything about, St. Maud, which is yep. apparently a new one, mm-hmm. is, the, is the opening uh, movie. Which is, I'm assuming, you have uh, know more about than I do because I don't tend to look up.
0: Well, it's a debut feature by a female filmmaker named Rose Glass, and it was going to be the big um, A24 who's d- released Hereditary and all right. of that. I think it was going to be their big push for this year um, for Halloween, and then right but, pre-co, y- but of mo- Movies aren't generally being pushed at
1: the moment, no, so that one's so future, I think maybe. they're saving that for next year, next but, year. but playing, of, playing yeah, we're going to I think four or yeah. five screenings of that. There's the double feature of Scream and Scream 2, mm, yes. which I am I quite like Scream. I've got a soft spot for that. Scream 2, I think, is better than most sequels have any right to be. And then after that, the series goes downhill for me. I, oddly enough, in preparation for today, the, the only preparation I did was to look up on Letterboxd all my horror movies that I've logged, which was nearly 900 of them, right? and look at the top-rated ones I had and the worst-rated. And five of the worst-rated ones were sequels. <laughs> and it included things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which should be my wow. jam and i just find shrill right that's on my to watch list yeah i've, I've got the gbd it, is, it so. is such a cult classic most people love it they love I the Texas a lot Oscar. of fun to be honest i i just i found it a chore to get through so that is a personal opinion that many people would have sent uh text chance master itself is playing september uh, sorry saturday the 3rd of october and a double feature with the hills have eyes which, which i've never are,
0: seen and i'm gutted to be missing we that,
2: are right? i've never seen see and that. i'm gutted yeah. to be seeing it to yes. be honest
1: there <laughs> already has his tickets so i'm getting mine today
2: <laughs> i bought the ticket but i, I it's, it is definitely one that
1: um i'm a little bit on the... it's i've seen it a couple of times and the first time i saw it was off a vhs tape that made it look like someone's last known footage and it really worked that way so it's um it, it is a brutal movie and it's it's Going to be tough for Darren, but it's all right, because we're actually, it's an interesting timing, because so I was going to be doing an all-day movie screening that day, because I'm on some time off, and so we're going to start off at 10 o'clock in the morning, watch some movies, go watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the Hills Have Eyes, and then come back for something much more light-hearted at midnight. And be gentle to Darren. <laughs> yeah. So after that, Cat People, the 80s remake of Cat People, which we have seen. I quite like it. It's, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Malcolm McDowell's but
2: Yeah.
1: It's a pretty decent movie. It's got Bowie doing the theme song. You can't argue with mm. Bowie doing the theme song. And Paul Schrader, yeah. Paul Schrader. And it's followed by The Hunger. Which uh, another one I haven't seen that I'm gutted to be missing. Uh, we, we? We saw
2: it together.
1: Yes, and, and, it and didn't work for either of us. Darren, and Doug will probably like it more than Darren and I did because it is the pacing is not kinetic in any way. So, <laughs> and it, it is not. Really it is hard art, for art's sake at times. Yes. So yes. I would say that you should probably see that at some stage. Mm. Then the Monday there's underwater, which is something which I
2: liked underwater. Yes, okay. Yes. it's it's
0: not it's very
1: visibly broken. There's at least
0: two extreme wide shots where people are just like, uh, "Insert line of dialogue here to get you to another location," <laughs> and, uh, you know. And obviously they've cut out ten minutes of business to make it work. Right. Um, but as a as a limited fuss, limited bus underwater alien monster movie. Um I you know, yeah. I think
2: it's fun. And yeah. it delivers yeah. on the monster. I think yeah. Yeah. I and think it really it yeah, that is a um, it's a really fun film. And for seven dollars fifty on a Monday, TV the fifth of October, there. you yeah, can't yeah. beat that. Then there's Scare Me and are, we, are we just gonna go list I think just no. No. We're We're just been, yeah. We've been and talking for like three in. hours, I reckon, on okay. the stage it's so. scare I don't, no me. no one's listening at
1: this point in time.
2: Now please note it's the other it's not Scare Me, it's the other Scare Me. Yes, right. there have been two Scare Me's. Yeah, both are 2020, and yes. one of them
0: is currently on Amazon Prime. And it's I, not th- that I thought that it somehow snuck it in because it had the same poster <laughs> as what was at the Hollywood, but the Hollywood had the wrong poster. So, um, but they're both anthology films about people telling scary stories. It's just one's set in a cabin and one's set in a car on the way to a music festival.
2: And, and for those who are enjoying the, um, the show on Prime at the moment, The Boys, one of the leads of Scare Me is Aya Cash who plays Stormfront. Oh, okay, yeah. So if you've
1: enjoyed her and the boys, in The Boys, then the boys That is an no unfortunate name to be for any... Well, it's yeah. not coincidental. <laughs> it's I'm not coincidental. Sure. No I'm either. only
0: two episodes into
1: season two. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: there's a lot of unsettledness in the boys it's great fun i recommend it
1: um well unfortunately i've canceled my amazon Prime, As i mentioned earlier yeah
0: well if you, if you come back to it <laughs> i come some, back at some stage. some point um the boys we'll just sidetrack into it really quick the boys i put off forever because it reminded me of like deadpool and all these other things which is like ooh, it's transgressive and i'm like <laughs> yeah we've seen kick ass we've seen blah blah and the main difference is that It is just as transgressive as all of those things, but it plays the logical and emotional consequences of that transgression instead of just winking at the screen and saying, aren't we naughty and moving on.
2: And it's it's a comic book uh, written by Garth Ennis, is the original. And uh, so if anyone has ever read any Garth Ennis, they'll know that it'll push the transgressiveness to the absolute (laughs) maximum amount of, of unease and too farness. It's it's a really good watch that TV show.
1: Yeah. Death becomes Her. death comes. I've out. never
0: seen Robert Zemeckis right, really. Right? Never film. seen yeah. it. Fun it's fun. a lot it's of fun. The night that I get home. So I don't Thursday, eighth of
1: October. That is playing. So um, and now I've, I've seen that and that is I've, I've seen it a couple of times and I know Dylan loves that one as well. So it's just it's just a fun black like, comedy mm. and everyone in the movie seems to be really enjoying being in the movie. You can normally tell when a cast is is having fun with the production. So, right. definitely worth it. Friday 9th of October, double feature there. 7.30, Friday the 13th, the original. Right. Which, oddly enough, is not my favourite Friday the 13th, the series. Well, I mean, it's famous for not being one that even
0: has
2: Jason in no, it. it's it's, and it is... I really like the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I think that gives yeah. it a step above. And then the rest of the
1: series of Friday the 13th pisses (laughs) (laughs) off. I'm I'm a fan of the fourth. Uh, When it comes to watching Corey Feldman go Uh, psycho Corey
2: Feldman? Oh, yeah, Corey Corey Feldman, yes. And also Crispin Glover. And Crispin
1: Glover doing the Crispin Glover dance. That's that's one of my favourites, by a long way. And, of course, that's backed up 9.30pm with A Nightmare on Elm Street. So yes. I
0: so, so are we going to go watch Darren retraumatize himself or are you gonna skip that
1: one? Unfortunately <laughs> oh, uh, because of my I'm back to work by that oh, you know I'm not back to work at that stage, but uh, <laughs> I might I've actually own the box. I will definitely them, so. be going to that. That's yeah. um, that'll be a decision to, at the time.
2: Well it'll be good to um, I mean when I was watching it at ten o'clock in the morning, I, I probably didn't finish it until about twelve thirty one o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon. Um it was, it was lots of stop starts, so it'll be good to see it as a film. As a film all the way through. All all the way through where you can't walk away.
1: Then <laughs> Sunday 11th of October, The Innocence, which oh, I haven't heard, but I can get It to. is an amazing film. So this is Deborah
2: Kerr. This is the sort of film it's I a, would... It's a 60s Jack Coyden black and white ghost story.
0: And unfortunately, I, I saw it once on screen. a sleepy afternoon and it kind of went in one eye and out the other. So I'm really looking forward to like giving it its due.
2: I uh, would think of it in the, in the same breath as The Haunting in terms of that it has that... So the British, yeah. British creepiness, the uh, the Robert Wise, <laughs> the
1: haunting is what I meant. Yeah. But
2: it's the uh, it's that black and white, lovely sort of uh, shadows. Sounds like it's, my jam. Well, I think
1: I'm going to try and get to that
2: it's, one. It's sure. it's a slow burn, but it's it's based on the the innocence is not the the true name of it. It's the Turn of the Screw. The ah, yeah. oh, well, the, the Henry James. Book. The Henry yes, James. Right.
1: Yeah, and that after that at seven o'clock that same day, Sputnik. I know nothing about spider
2: It's a uh,
0: Russian space monster movie, I think. So Looks little, a lot of fun. Yeah, right. kind of down a similar alien kind of pathway, but um, I think it might actually be getting wide release in right. New oh. Zealand as well, but um, uh, obviously keen to endorse the Hollywood.
2: And um, the gleeful grisliness of two thousand mania. Two thousand mania. I have
0: never seen a Herschel Gordon Lewis film, oh, and I'm not oh, sure if I many, want to start. Maybe this 2000 this Maniacs would be is the, the one
2: to see it,
1: I think. Okay. A lot of Herschel Gordon Lewis stuff is, I mean, he, everything he shot is off on screen. No, yeah. no,
2: of, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. no, no. Everything. Sorry, sorry. The the gore is is actually awful. Is yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's his. He he did. He is the Godfather of gore, and it, I mean, it, a lot of his films are so low budget. I mean, he's got. The gruesome twosome is the prime example where he shot this film, and then he realised he didn't have a seventy-minute film because he didn't need any of that to get it as a as a second part of a double feature. So he shot nearly ten minutes of two wig stands with faces on them playing the Greek chorus, explaining what's going on in the movie, <laughs> and that is part of that opens and closes the movies. Oh my god! But two thousand maniacs is one that's got a bigger budget than the others. It's it's a much more light-hearted gore film. It's not right. one which is They're just a pull organs out and, and wave them at the camera and I mean so the Wizard of Gore's playing later on and that one yeah you could probably uh, do that it later that later. one was one that I read the des- yeah. just the description of
0: in, yeah. around, shortly after having seen Poltergeist and that traumatised me just conceptually <laughs> <in> <laughs> I've never I liked would, Magicians I would, I would to begin with but that seemed like an exceptionally unpleasant Magician
1: <laughs> I would magic recommend point. you go see 2000 Maniacs you will get a song stuck in your head for days afterwards and, and, and it's a country song and so.
2: they're so che- they are cheerful maniacs yeah. they are just, just always friendly. smiley always
1: happy always Even when they're doing horrible things to your friends.
2: Well, and I'm, I'm, I've always been
0: slightly nonplussed as to how the band Ten Thousand Maniacs took that (laughs) name as inspiration and became like inoffensive Tweed. I don't, (laughs) I (laughs) don't see the girl connection there.
1: Monday, 12th of October, the Cheap Monday, psyched by the 4D Witch. I cannot wait. And it's in
0: 35 mil. And I've never seen it before, but it's legendary. I'm looking forward to having
1: my brain broke at 7.30 in the evening. I think I saw it off a VHS rip I discovered off YouTube after I played the Incredibly Strange Film Festival years ago. And um, uh, uh, just weird noises is all I can say.
0: I I think one thing we didn't really talk about enough during our early thing is that I feel like there's a delight... To bad horror films that doesn't really exist nearly as much in bad, dra- you bad know, drama. You know, most, most other, you know, occasionally you get a yeah. The Room or something or like Miami
1: that. Or Miami Connection. Well, yeah. bad bad action. Action. There's fun bad, bad action films great. to be fair. Yes. But, but bad comedy but, and bad drama are just, forget it. I mean, if you're halfway through a comedy film and you haven't laughed, give it up. Yeah. If you're halfway through a drama film and you don't give a shit about the characters, give it up. There's other things yeah, to yeah. watch.
0: <laughs> but bad horror, it's like, you know, it it's, you know, th- it, the thing is, you the magic of horror is trying to convince people of something and either you do it well or you do it badly and it becomes its own entertainment. <laughs> and either way it can be
1: fun. I've seen many bad horror movies that I would appreciate a lot better than a good drama sometimes. Yeah. Wednesday fourteenth of October, the Mortuary Collection. It's Shudder, don't it's know. A Shudder. don't know much so we'll, about it, but We'll move on to that, but it's
2: It's a anthology movie. Anthology Another movie, one yeah. Scare Me was an anthology, and I believe this is as well. Thursday, fifteenth of October. Mimic. Mm. Guillermo de
0: Toro's famous early film that was butchered a bit by the studio. Mm. Um, I, I saw it at the time and I thought it was okay. I, thought, I mean, it was yeah. um, famously kind of slammed a bit. Um bit of Mira Sorvino, um, I think might have been slightly miscast in it, as I recall, but right. um, that was also during a time where she was getting horribly abused by... Um, Harvey Weinstein, oh, so kind of <laughs> yeah. not so, really inclined to like eh, every day with a horror inflict movie with anything Harvey. worse on her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, probably going and hanging out with like getting mucus from killer bugs on you probably seem like a oh. yeah. Such a bad day. is yeah. Harvey. It's yeah.
1: no good. <laughs> Cover me in the bugs, thanks. Yeah. Friday, sixteenth of October. I only say the name once. Candyman. Candyman. Oh, yeah. Sorry,
2: <laughs> <laughs> this man lies. I'm not looking in a mirror. I'm not. Looking, I can see myself in
1: the reflection of the TV. So I'll only say Candyman twice more.
0: I only mm-hmm. caught up with it a couple of years ago Same. for the first time, and I was really impressed with Fantastic that film. Good and um, poignant it was as well, and and yeah. relevant to, and so it's no surprise that it's getting this um, modern reboot, which yeah. unfortunately, even though it's in the um, schedule that was All printed, was the show. It won't be yeah. um, screening known, right? because the director has moved it to twenty twenty one. And the seen
1: the first trailers for that, and it looks it looks good, it looks interesting, it's yeah. definitely a different take on it, but yeah. uh, and it's going to be full of a bit more CGI and jump scares and stuff because it's twenty twenty. Yeah, but it looks promising. But it's definitely going to be a very different one from the very English approach of of the original. <laughs> and- Saturday, 17th of October. We're in my warehouse, Blood Freak. And I don't think I can get to it, unfortunately, because of worker issues. All okay. I know is the remote seems to be a giant killer chicken. It is.
0: And so it's a must-see for me. A, but Christian,
1: I... scare yeah, it's a Christian scare film. Yeah, it's a Christian scare film with a guy that gets turned into a killer turkey. And that's yeah. all well, well, I need well, to Okay, say. I
0: did not... Well... And it's R-16. So R-16. The whole R-16 Christian scare film. So. It's,
1: I, I, I first read about that in uh, one of... Uh, the, well, what was it? The Book of Incredibly Strange Cinema, uh, Jonathan Ross's book, which I still right. own to this day, and the screenshots of that, is just, it looks amazing. And I've never seen, I've seen the trailer a million times, I've never seen it. It is on a Saturday night, and it's half an hour after I finish work in a different suburb, so if I can get there, I will, but I'm gonna be very disappointed, I'm probably gonna miss that. Next day, The Witches, oh, which I've never seen in, but I love Nicholas Rogue, and um, Roald Dahl was a childhood inspiration, so. It I, should be great. I know not seen that one. I it's a see, great film. I've shown him that.
2: Yeah.
1: That night, Slumber Party Massacre. So we're in the slasher genre. <laughs> the slasher famously directed by a woman that was almost as sexist as any other slasher movie. Seen that a couple of times. Not my favorite slasher, oh, but really? still not bad. It's it's.
0: So the story of it is apparently the writer wrote it as a parody and yeah. the director didn't know and directed it straight.
1: its yeah. It's got that yeah. weird it feeling right. that it's it, quite light-hearted dialogue, but it's also... Still a generic slasher at times, so your mileage definitely will vary. Incidentally, the director went on to write Mystic Pizza and Beethoven's second. <laughs> <laughs> <Career> <laughs> Incidentally We love those. Monday, nineteenth uh... of October, Cheap Monday, Manos, The Hands of Fate. I love this movie. I hate I, this movie. I, 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 I w-
2: love it. <laughs> I watched I this it. with my brother,
1: and um, we got very obsessed with
0: Torgo and torgo, his, uh, yes. his uh, gesticulations across screen. My and he name started is singing,
2: Torgo. I've
0: got the moves, that Torgo. I've got the moves, <laughs> that is
1: Torgo.
2: Is such a I look after the
1: house while the master is away. And I say I've hate this movie, and I've seen it once by itself, and I've seen it three or four times with the Mystery Science Theater version, and even they you can tell, are struggling. with well, that opening scene where they just drive and the credits have not been put on because they couldn't afford the credits. So <laughs> they just drive and drive. And all the dialogue is dubbed by the same two people. It right. is... It's, it's to be experienced, not enjoyed.
2: And it's... Um, before Manos, Hands of Fate, my favourite um, bad film was Plan 9. And then I saw Manos at the Incredibly Strange Film Festival. And I just adored yeah. every second in terms of, of the uh, incompetence. Of and it. that's
1: showing in 35. Yes, 35 yes. mil. So it'll be the same
2: print I saw way yeah. back well, when.
1: When's the 21st October, Spiral, which is coming out on Shutter. Oh, it is, it is already out on Shutter, I think. Don't know that. I probably won't see that. I'll probably just Shutter it. The Beyond. So talking about eye gouging. Ooh,
0: and speaking about 35 mil, uncut mm. uh, print, supposedly beautiful. Never seen it. Oh, it's, it's a great. I've seen it. I've seen a very... um grainy like kind of dvd of it and so i don't i mean some of those italian films are often just a bit foggy anyway Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of like they were overexposed when they were shot or something so i'm curious um how it'll look but um yeah i love that era of folky where it's really dreamy and incomprehensible and then intermittently highly gory and then (laughs) incomprehensible again that's in a nutshell yep and speaking of highly gory yeah. after um, two
1: more screenings of saint maud we get to Reanimator. Oh damn. Oh, I, I... On a Sunday, seven o'clock perfect yeah. time. You know? Yeah. It's um it's just so much
0: glee. I mean mm-hmm. I mean we've talked about Stuart Gordon before on the podcast. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean it's just um every time I return to Reanimator, it's just like I forget just how much fun it is mm-hmm. for a movie that's just so completely irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> <You know>? uh, <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like you should be completely morally
1: indignant about it, but it's just too enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, so, it's yeah. it is fun on a bun and yeah. Yeah, and other body parts on buns as well. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a great flick. And then Monday, cheap Monday is The Wizard of Gore. So that's once again Herschel Gordon Lewis. Not my favorite one of his, but it really shows what he was, where he was making his money, just with some body parts collected from the local butcher shop and some actors and he printed money like there was no tomorrow it
0: was until he got into direct mail
1: marketing and gave up films did you know that i did not know that
0: he um has his post uh filmmaking career was like he made fortunes with direct mail advertising and wrote several books (laughs) just a huckster all the way around yeah yeah i mean it literally yeah moved off to florida made millions and like yeah and Every once in a while, we'll do an interview about his films or put out another book about how to make money doing, um, you know, mailing solicitations to people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the Thursday, 29th of October, it's more some order there, but also Event Horizon, which I have seen on the big screen, and I love that film. It's it's just one of those ones that once you're on the edges, creepy, it's gory, it's mm. Samuel's having a great time. It's in it. the sort
2: of film I never thought I would enjoy and I really yeah. dug
0: it. I just saw it for the first time a couple months ago and I'm weighing up whether to go see yes, it, it again, again so soon, but I did really enjoy it. Um, one of the films I'm most actually enthusiastic I about is the follow-up Demon Lover Diary. Never heard which of it. Which uh, has been sitting on my to-watch list for ages but is kind of a parallel film with A Labour of Love, which again, it's a film about some people with uh, a lot of intention and good intentions and not a lot of sense trying to make a uh, film. It often got compared to American movie as well, the um, documentary. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a Michigan horror movie in the 70s. And I don't think the actual film ever got made, but um, it's it's definitely a relatively obscure title amongst this list but one that i've never heard of even being available like i i managed to find some really bad um file of it then i'm like oh i'll watch this someday at some point and now it's on the big screen and i'm really thrilled that that i
1: waited for the legitimate way to see it nice and rounding out the month 30th of october Tenabre.
0: oh yes we've got
1: a Double double
0: feature of thirty five millimeter on the mm. thirtieth.
1: Um that's nine o'clock tenabre and eleven o'clock Anguish. And the less you say about Anguish the better. If you haven't seen Anguish, we say nothing. Change that. Nothing. Yeah. Change, Change it. It. See it's, it. It's hard to find. But yeah. Spanish American. But if, you, I if you're
2: in Auckland and near Avondale, <laughs> yes. then, then on Friday go 13th to the Hollywood and, yeah. 30th, and, and you're
0: the not a, and you're not averse to eye trauma.
1: Yep. <laughs> so Actually that's fair. It's good yeah. to know better to know that. But yeah, Tenabre. An and English don't do any drugs beforehand. Please, please do, do not do any
0: drugs there. beforehand. The, the movie does enough of them for you.
2: <laughs> and if you're a, a fan of Poltergeist and thought, well, wow, I haven't seen Zelda Rubenstein and anything well, else,
1: get ready. <laughs> <laughs> that is enough. We'll say about that. That's probably too much. And on the 31st of October, they finished off with The Fog in 4D Fogorama which oh, um, <laughs> sounds like uh, things will be happening in the cinema so I have
2: to well, confess, and in the fog i have to
0: confess <laughs> the fog is not one of my favorite carpenter movies
1: no what do you guys think no it's it? not my favorite i
2: movie. i enjoy it it's yeah. i mean there are probably better carpenter films but i really still enjoy it i've only seen lot.
1: the one time which says a lot because i'm seen oh, every that other was when carpenter. i saw it with you yeah uh, every yeah. other carpenter film that i've seen i've seen more than once right so that's the only one and it's it's good to watch for completion it's it's got the creep factor, but it just, for me, just doesn't do enough with the premise. It just feels a little, a little hollow. Yeah, it felt it's a little like, thin to yeah. me. But, you know, I mean,
0: you're, we're comparing to, like, Prince of Darkness and The Thing mm. and Halloween and Assault on Precinct 13 and, and, and.
2: So, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and this film still has Tom Atkins and Jamie Lee Curtis it's, and Adrian yeah. Barbeau and Hal yeah. Holbrook and John Halsman. I mean, there's still enough a lot to enjoy in that film. Yeah and,
0: well, and if you don't like it there's still 25 other films that you can see exactly. this month so
1: there's a ton of <laughs> other ones there and, and to bring things now around to a nice nice circle to go back to the start of this podcast two days ago uh, in November they've announced First Blood is going to be on the big screen so um, wow. there you go if you want to, and it's not unfortunately one guy in his apartment but I would love them to switch the prints
2: <laughs> just, just see
1: what happens <laughs> don't do that cool. don't do that Matt
0: and on, on that note um, we will uh, wrap things up for the moment and um, we'll be seeing a bit of each other over October and I guess we'll talk about what comes next then and hopefully Absolutely. figure out a, a sustainable routine and hopefully Uh, COVID won't interfere with that sustainable routine for a third time. Yes, touching wood. Uh, On that note, see you next time. Bye-bye.